in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 178. Also known as My Turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm taking the reins this time and picking a topic, and it took forever and a half for me to pick a topic. So what we'll be doing this time around is uh, just a, a comic talk episode, for lack of a better word. Uh, and background noises abound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> right on cue. Cue the screeching cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're just going to uh, ramble on and talk about various comic stuff other than GL, maybe some GL stuff thrown in. Uh, I added in a double sized Larfleys report for good measure. Uh, talk about some of that stuff. Not a whole lot in there, anyways, so should be able to get through that. But, uh, I guess just starting it off, what we're going to talk about is uh, TV stuff. Uh, as we record this, it was uh, shown today the uh, Grant Gustin's full costume for the new Flash series. Did you get a chance to, to see that image? Yes, I saw the image. What do you think? It's not, it's not lit particularly well, so, which is probably on purpose <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's the initial picture. They want I guess they want to. They probably just want to get vibes off of people just based on you know how do they really is it really Flash like but not. You know, kind of just to try to get a, maybe the good housekeeping seal of approval without until you see it up close where then obviously this can always be more criticism. I thought – I mean I certainly seemed Flash-like. I mean it didn't – it seemed like it would fit in with the – what you would expect the Flash costume to be. Right. I, I don't know if the lighting so much is the problem. It's the pose. He's That's he's, true too. He, you're showing off a costume but the dude is hunched over to half one-fourth of his size – you know, bent over and leaning forward. So it's not like it, it, you can't really see the, the whole costume. I guess, I, I mean, I get why they're doing the pose they're doing, because he's supposed to be, you know, getting a running start and everything, but still. It doesn't it doesn't look like a, a good showing of this costume at all. No. It'll be, I mean, whenever, as we know, and we kind of talked about... A little bit on Facebook, there was a little discussion we were in today about the fact that how realistic the costume is, uh, or how how costumes translate to from comic books to real life. Or correction, from comic books to movies, and how realistic, quote unquote, that they can tr- they can make them. Um, there's always there's always like a catch twenty two. There's always there's always a fine line between how far away you can go from the specifics, and as long as you capture, as I think, as Jim Jim said, as long as you capture the spirit of the costume, usually people are okay. If you play around with some of the specifics, and because you look at Thor, you know Thor's costume is most of the time is is fairly close to the comic book, so they kind of don't let him wear the helmet ever. And then you have, and just like Loki's, Loki's isn't exactly right too. And we know Captain America has been kind of all over the map. I thought First Avenger had a really good take on the costume. I thought the Avengers costume was pretty lame. And it looks like the um, Winter Soldier, 
the shield uniform that he wears looks much better than the than the uh, Avengers uniform. So I think it's a fine it's a fine line. It's always a fine line when you when you translate things. It's like which is the same reason why they always tell you that. Uh, well, not everyone, but they tell you quite often that you can't do a you can't put Wolverine in a costume because it's going to look ridiculous. So even though they kind of tease it at the end of at least in the deleted scene at the end of the Wolverine, which would have been awesome if they just kept that in the movie. Even even if he never wore the damn thing, at least they would have made people happy with it. Yeah. So I think it's it's good. It's good. It's always it's always you know it, it's always a challenge. So especially for TV because you know they have less money to spend on it and they have. I'm not sure. I mean, I it'll be interesting to see what the what the interest in the series is going to be too. But obviously, Arrow is fairly popular right now, so at least it has a chance, you know, to um, to establish a DC TV universe. Even if their attempts at making a movie universe has gone pretty much in the toilet up to this point. All right. Well, the cow, the cow kind of. I said it on the Facebook page. The cow kind of looks like the like uh, uh, Captain America's cow. Right. Yeah. So it's. Uh, eh. And I, I don't. I saw the side view when they first showed just like the the hel- the helmet or whatever. That was uh, like the 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 helmet side. It was it uh, had that chin strap thing, didn't it? I'm I'm trying to remember if I saw that picture. If I actually looked at it up close for Flash, not for Cap. Um, yeah, I know you. I, yeah. I figured you meant Flash. Cap obviously did have the chin strap. Yeah. Um, but I definitely see what you mean. Even from the picture today, it does kind of have some kind of resemblance to that to the that kind of a that kind of a helmet. Mm. What do you think of some of the other news about the the Flash series? The uh, the the casting of uh, Iris West as an African American woman it doesn't bother me. I think, in, if, and honestly, we know the way things are going in when it comes to movies and TV shows. It seems like, well, you know, we can obviously get into a. <laughs> Could have a whole other episode, whether it's you know philosophically, whether we change you know, whether for the sake of change. Yes, <laughs> diversity. For, and I, that was funny you said it that way because I was just I was just going to say diversity for the sake of diversity. <laughs> but yeah, you could have a whole other discussion whether you know the the pros the pros and cons on that. Does it ever matter? Does it matter sometimes? I don't. Who do they? I mean, I'm not as up on the flash stuff as I should be. Who who do they cast for her role? Is it somebody? That, oh shoot. I don't have it in front of me off the top of my head. I, th- I thought she. I think I thought she was cute. I think I remember seeing that picture, yeah, but I, she, I couldn't. She's cute for sure. It's just I don't. Uh, I can't remember. Good grief. Um, and I'm trying to remember where I saw it so I could look it up. Um, Iris West's Flash TV, Flash CW. Let's try that. Because I couldn't remember if it was somebody who really was. I didn't. She. I don't Candace think she. Patton. Okay, so she definitely wasn't a name. Um, I couldn't remember if if uh, if it was a name I recognized or not. Yeah, she's she's definitely cute, and she's not. I mean, I don't know. She's like, are they gonna have Wally? Is Wally gonna be? I don't know. I guess it. it well. That's a, I'm getting that confused with the whole different debate where they cast uh, Johnny Storm as uh, as an African American, but uh, Sue Storm is white or something. Yes, that's a different. Now you're, yes, you're going and we'll and we'll assume she's going to be uh, 
they're going to be adopted. You know, the relationship's going to be adopted, but of course, we have no way of I really mean, knowing. I mean, I guess it's also possible for for them to be uh, half. half half siblings. Yes. So, I mean, I, you know, whatever. Um, uh, Iris's father, Detective West, is going to be played by Jesse L. Martin, uh, and uh, Eddie Thawne. That's interesting. Uh, Eddie Thawne. Central City Police Detective will be played by Rick Gosnett. And Caitlin Snow. Caitlin Snow is a Star Labs bioengineer played by Danielle Panabaker. But Greg Berlanti and Andrew Kreisberg uh, are, are writing this one. Right. So, I mean, hey, uh, you know, that, that's, that's all right. Um, Looks like Jeff John's got his fingers in this one as well. Yeah, I noticed that. I know. I noticed that too. There's a there's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm glad that John Wesley Ship is going to be in it. Yes. But whatever. That's kind of that's that's kind of cool. I always liked John Wesley Ship. I I remembered him back even before the Flash back back in the day. Um, because my grandmother used to be big into soap operas. So when I was a kid and I used to come home from school, I used to, I kind of got into them when I was young. So she used to watch Guiding Light a lot. So I remember John Wesley Ship when that kind of how he got a start much like kevin bacon on guiding light so i remember watching him there long before even before he got the flash and branched out into a lot of other shows that he's done so well i hope i hope fan speculation comes true on this one that uh john wesley ship is uh jay garrick that would be cool that would be that that would be awesome i would much rather him be that than uh, barry's father um i'm gonna have to rewatch those episodes of arrow i can't remember if they mentioned in there that barry's father being accused of murdering Barry's mother type of a thing. Right. Cause I, if, if that's true or if it, if, if his father isn't dead, but accused of murdering his mother or something, I don't know if I want to see a dynamic of Barry going to a central city prison and visiting his father and all that. I'd, nah, I'd, that would, that would, that would, I don't think that'd be compelling television off the top of my head either. <laughs> no, not really. But I know you're innocent, Dad. I mean, I'm definitely going to check out the Flash TV series. And it's funny you mentioned John Wesley Ship. I do have the full series of uh, the original Flash TV series. I haven't seen all of it yet. I've seen maybe, I don't know, one-third of it, something like that. Um, I, I, I know I haven't gotten to the episode with Mark Hamill as the trickster. Uh, so I'm, I'm not that far yet. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's funny about that. What's funny about that Flash series, the original one, is I got it at Best Buy, you know, a long time ago for like ten bucks, and um, I watched it, and I was thinking, okay, I'm every episode, I'm just gonna have to remind myself, this is the '90s, this is the '90s, this is the '90s, you know, like, you know, right. to, to give a pass for costuming and cheesy lines and effects and you know all that stuff. But there's that show is so good, like people who have not seen it, you know, because it's an old show, and I don't. You know, the flash looks weird on the cover, the costume looks stupid, you know, whatever it may whatever it may be. The show is so good that you get over your trepidation about what it about what it's gonna be like faster than you think you would. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, going into it I was expecting I'm gonna have to wait, you know, four or five episodes before I really get a feel for this and get used to it. I don't know, second episode I was like, Alright, bring it on. <laughs> It's 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 a good show. So if you if if anybody out there hasn't seen the original Flash TV series, you should definitely check it out. 
it was kind of ahead of its time on on its on many levels. <laughs> if it could have had, if you could probably, if you could have had the budget today, you know, back then, or the or more, and also the audience from the point of view that you know, superhero movie, superhero, the genre wasn't big, and the technology, of course, wasn't up to date, up to where it needed to be to make these these kind of movies and TV shows more realistic. If that existed then, I think it would have helped too. But considering, yeah, considering when when it was created, there's no doubt that it was. It, it, it certainly in many in many ways it was a little more watchable than let's say what going back and watching like the Spider-Man TV show is. <laughs> the Hulk might the Hulk might you know the Hulk because of Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno kind of holds holds it up to because of the you know play the personal interaction and everything. But but um, I don't think like the Spider-Man show really really holds up all that well. Or maybe the uh, 1990s something Captain America movie. Oh, that one, yeah, with the with the, with the fake ears on the costume. I I <laughs> I bought that on Blu-ray when it came out. Still haven't watched it yet because I'm scared. <laughs> Seriously, it's it's one of the it's one of my Blu-rays sitting on my shelf, and I still haven't watched it because I'm not sure what what <laughs> mood I'm not I'm not sure what mood I need to be in to watch that. <laughs> well, well, you never know because maybe you'll have a table. They'll have one leg that's uneven, so maybe you can find you can find use for that Blu-ray package there, if nothing else. <laughs> See, I didn't I didn't waste my money. Look how it's coming. The good use I'm putting it to. It really pulls the room together. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll move on to like the spoiler side of stuff. So spoilers, folks, are uh, for TV shows out now. Um, so heads up. Have you been watching Arrow at all? I have watched some of it. I couldn't – not regular, regularly Liz, my beloved wife Liz, when she gets in these kicks. When, when things are recommended to her, especially when she finishes one series or all – current episodes are on, let's say, Netflix, and she's already watched them. One of the things that she moved on to was catching up to Arrow. So I did see some of the episodes, and I kind of get the gist of some of what's going on, but I have not been following regularly enough. So, so. Are, are you liking it, or are you just watching it because she's watching it and you don't really have an interest in it? It's somewhere in between. What? I mean, I did. I, I, I mean, it's not like if it was on my own, would I go, you know, would I pick that out to watch? Probably not just because I'm not a huge Green Arrow guy on my on on his own but what i watched was some you know i was i was a little intrigued by by it i don't know if i'll ever sit down and watch all that's one this is one of those things where maybe once the sh- once the show is kind of like over or almost over and then maybe i'll begin and, and watch everything from the beginning to end and you know there's some shows that, that kind of have a little bit of an interest or or moderate interest to me and that's when I'm, i'll consider maybe sitting down and watching them but I don't think it's something I'll be watching, just a personal interest. I mean, I know everybody seems to rave over it, so I'm sure, and based on what I've seen, the show's good. But based on personal interest, I would suspect that it's not going to be something I'm going to catch up on and then watch like every week when it comes out. Well, what's your problem with it? Is it, is it, is it, that sounded confrontational. What's your problem with it? (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I thought it was pretty diplomatic. Like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? No, I mean, like, is it, is it, is it just your lack of interest in Green Arrow or is there something else like about the show itself that doesn't draw you in? No, there's not, there's nothing about, there's nothing about, um, the show itself. It's just, it's, but to be fair, I mean, I didn't watch Smallville either. And I have, and as a character, I have more interest 
I have more interest in Superman or than I do in Green Arrow, but I I only watched a few episodes of Smallville too, so it, it's some just something I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe if anything, it's just kind of like the stigma of not thinking again. Going back to the Flash original Flash show, that maybe that this is one of those the concept of having a show like that on t on TV, especially a smaller network, is just having doubts that they're going to be able to pull it off in a sufficient fashion that it's that it's worth the effort. Even though I know Smallville, most most people like Smallville, and what I watched of Smallville, I liked. I don't know. It's just I I just honestly I to be fair, I also don't watch a whole lot of regular TV these days either. So I mean, it's it's I think that factors into it too. There's there's really not any show, any regular scripted show that I watch relig- religiously at this stage. So. Well, Arrow, Arrow's epic. I mean, the first season was was really good, and I was like, I don't know how they're going to top it. But, you know, it, it kind of goes to to their credit, you know, to the, or to the credit of that, that argument I had a while back about having personal interaction in, in comics and stuff like that more than just, you know, you know beat them up action kind of stuff. But the, the first season is, you know, my father died, and... You know, he left a list, and these are all people who failed the city, and, you know, I got to go after these people, and, you know, just checking checking names off the list. And then something happens, uh, and, you know, in the, in the season finale, and you're like, whoa, crap, and then it changes everything to where he doesn't want to, you know, kill anymore, and, you know, the list is kind of invalidated, and, you know, that whole thing... And he's got some people who know about his secret now and who work hand-in-hand with him. And the whole thing, um, now this whole dynamic has changed where he's trying to figure out how to fight crime without killing people. He's interacting with these people and getting used to having people share this life with him. He's kind of laid back a little bit more. He's more focused on his family. But he's still a freaking badass. And then this season they incorporate even more DC stuff. Like um, they, they name drop uh, Ivo and um, uh, Professor Ivo, Amazo. Um, Deathstroke is a freaking badass this season. Uh, you know, there's Deadshot, there's uh, Huntress, there's uh, Bronze Tiger. There's uh, they name drop Rachel Ghoul. At some point, upcoming there, you know, it's no secret. It's been all over the the comic news. So Suicide Squad is coming up. Maybe, possibly, Birds of Prey. That reminds me, Black Canaries in this in this season. Like it's it's insane. Like there's there's crazy amounts of world building going on in this one freaking TV series. Now I know that that happened with Smallville, but the way it's happening here, it's 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 awesome. It's uh, it's it, every episode gets better and better and better. And and that makes me in in my my excitement and love for Arrow is such that my excitement and for the upcoming Flash series makes it even better because they introduce Flash in this season. The guy who's playing Flash, they introduce Barry Allen. Barry comes to uh to Star to well Starling to Starling City uh to uh you know do investigate some sort of crime, um, and for two episodes works hand in hand with Oliver Queen, and you know comes to find out he's Green uh, Green Arrow, you know this this whole thing, and then goes back to 
Central City, and at the end of the episode, you know, the the lightning strike and chemical thing happens. You don't see what happens after that because that's what we'll see in the beginning of the Flash series. But it's 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 so cool the way they're doing things in this show, and it makes me super excited for Flash. And since we're talking, we talked about Flash, and now we're talking about Arrow. Kind of kind of dovetail that. We've got Barry Allen and we've got Oliver Queen. Two of Hal Jordan's best friends. Like, bar none. I wonder if we're going to see Hal Jordan at all in either of these series. Because it kind of kind of seems odd that Barry has been interacting with Oliver. Yeah, that's, that part, that is true. I mean, you, you it seems like there's a, like a... You're going from A to C and leaving out B yeah. or the common thread, and that's in the connective tissue there. Yeah. But maybe, who knows, maybe that has to do with, maybe they'll figure that out once they figure out what the hell they're doing with the Batman-Superman movie and who's in and who's out and what's connected to the TV show of anything. And Yeah. The- maybe that, maybe that fact, maybe, I mean, that may not factor in, but maybe that does factor into part of why they're, you know, kind of like little 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 indecisive about what they're going to do there. I don't I don't see why you can't have two different live action universes. Like I don't see why you can't have the TV DCU and the movie DCU. But at the same time, you know, you got Agents of Shield and the Marvel universe, so and those are tied together and that seems to be working fairly well. So I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't know. But Arrow, if if you people are out there are not watching Arrow, you can't legitimately qualify as being alive. <laughs> that that whole thing about a pulse, that's not definitive enough. You got to be watching Arrow. So good, so so good. I watched that before I watched the latest episode of Walking Dead. I watched that before I watched the latest episode of Community, and those are some of my favorite shows. Arrow is like if I, if I have some stuff backed up of episodes I need to watch, I'll either watch Arrow first or I'll watch it last because I want to end I want to end on it like you know I want to I want to watch all my my regular shows and then like, okay I caught up on that caught up on that okay okay now we're gonna finish the night with Arrow. Because it's 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 that it's so good, so good. Now, have you have you been watching uh, Agents of Shield at all since I mentioned nope. a minute ago? Nope, 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 not yet. That's a, that, that's another show where I guess, and they're kind of seemingly slowly but surely getting it to wrap more into like the movie universe, having more direct tie-ins, and I. That might be able to draw me in if they start doing that. Maybe I would go, and I'm interested. I mean, I have been interested enough. Why well, would consider certainly like let's say when it's all like when it's on Netflix or something that I probably would sit there and, and watch the first season because there's enough. Um, there's a, there's a few episodes that are intriguing enough for me, especially with Colson and this, that, and the other thing, to make me want to watch the, to uh, see how it's going and this. But to me. That was always a hard sell for me to begin with because you kind of knew that they almost had to make it somewhat independent of the movies. You know, it was going to exist in the same universe, but you weren't going to be seeing superheroes all the time. And they, to be fair, they made it pretty clear when they were pushing the show to tell you that they weren't going to be doing that. But that's not. But people still had the expectation. I think that 
there would be a little bit of that. That I just didn't think it was something that was going to be able to survive long term mm-hmm. based on the concept without tying it in. I knew it would survive short term because let's be honest. I mean, uh, Disney would keep it afloat just at least through the Avengers sequel, mm-hmm. just because there's a, there's a reason to keep it alive, and they would they would just suck it up. I mean, at least un- unless the ratings were absolutely atrocious, and they're not. Unless it was absolutely you know. It was like dog meat when it came to ratings. That then, then they might might give them pause. But you figured it was in their best interest, just as a promotional vehicle, to keep it alive at least through uh, the end of Phase Two of the of the Marvel movie universe. I like, you know, I like Coulson. It makes me on that level and kind of intrigues me. But not again. Not, it's not enough to make me want to watch it on a regular basis. At least not. At least now. Are you watching? Yeah, I'm watching. What happened was when it first came out, even before I saw the first episode, I said, okay, what am I going to do with this? Because I already have, I already had, uh, let's say, Two two Broke Girls, Arrow, New Girl, Community, uh, Walking Dead, Once Upon a Time, uh, shoot, uh, tons, let's see, Game of Thrones, Ah uh, yes, Game of Thrones. That is one I do watch on a reg- on a regular basis. A, a, a few other things. I had a, I have a lot of TV. Sh- uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother's in its final season, uh, stuff like that. There's a lot of shows that I watch um, regularly, and it, I was like, do I, do I really want to add another one to it? So like you know when people tell me you haven't watched Archer or. Um, you know, you 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 haven't watched uh, Breaking Bad or you know any of that stuff. Um, the it's not that I don't want to watch them. It's just that I don't have time for them right now. <laughs> you know, I, I I have to put some serious consideration into if I'm actually gonna try and keep up with another show. Um, and you know, there's there's old stuff I want to watch. Like right now, I I downloaded the entire uh, series of Superman the animated series, and I'm you know slowly working my way through that. So between stuff I'm keeping up on and st- stuff I want to watch, you know, that's already done and over with, I I'm already fairly booked up basically. But you know, yeah, and I know first world problems, but so <laughs> so Agents of Shield comes out, and I'm like, oh, this is Marvel. I mean, this is this is tied into the, this movie universe. It's so incredibly epic. Uh, okay, I I guess I'll watch it. So what I decided before I even saw the first episode was. I'm going to give it one full season. I don't care what happens. I don't care if every episode is absolute shit. I'm going to watch the entire first season. And I've stuck by that. There are a couple of times, especially towards the beginning, where I was like, oh, God, this is just not doing it for me. This is so boring and wooden and awful and trite, you know? And... Lately, it's been it's been getting pretty good. I'm not saying like it's it's an epic show. It's not. I'm not saying it's one that I you know super excited to get to, but it's to the point now where I'm not dreading watching it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not seeing the act of watching it as a chore. You know, I'm not you know starting the latest episode and going. Oh, I did say I'd be getting through the entire first season. You know, I'm I'm actually like, oh okay. So what happens next? You know, so it's 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 been pretty, and, and you know this this episode, uh, I, I don't know this week or next week with Sif in it. That seems pretty cool. Um, a lot of the the Marvel references in this, you know, because Arrow's got all these DC references. 
a lot of the Marvel references are kind of going over my head a little bit because I'm not a big Marvel guy. I mean, DC, I know like the back of my hand. Well, you know, kind of. But, uh, you know, Marvel, you know, uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but, you know, I did say spoilers at the beginning. This Deathlock thing, for instance, no idea what that is. No idea who Deathlock is or what Deathlock is or, or anything. But, really? Yeah. But I do – see, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. When I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they name drop stuff, I know it's a name drop. I know enough about Marvel to recognize the names of things, like when they when they say something, so that I can go, "Oh, that's something." I know that's I've heard that before, or you know, I heard you know Tony Stark say that at some point in a comic I read, you know, so far, you know, something like that. But it's not it's not like Arrow, you know, like for instance, in Arrow, and you know, sorry folks, whatever. Uh, there's a there's a big boat. When they cut back to the island scenes, uh, a shipping a shipping boat, the back of the boat is named Amazo, and the the guy on the boat is Professor Ivo. So, I not only do I know that those are references to the DC universe, I know who Ivo is, I know what Amazo is, I know Amazo's history in the DC universe. I I can start speculating about where they might be going and its relation to Arrow and how it can fit in. You know this whole thing. Whereas with Marvel, all I know is, oh, that's something. I know that's something. I can't speculate. I can't, you know, there's a whole thread on the comic forums talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And most of the conversation is, oh, they name dropped this and this. Where could they be going with this reference? You know, that, that kind of a thing. So I'm enjoying it, though. It's, 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 it's pretty cool. Um, like uh, this, very, this very, very most recent episode, they... The, the teaser at the end was uh, for, for the next episode, like uh, the, some Asgardian wandering through the desert. Her name was Lorelai. I knew that name. I knew she was an Asgardian, but I didn't know what she was the god or goddess of or what her relationship is to Thor. And Thor is one of the things in Marvel that I know more than than the rest of Marvel about, you know, because I, I, I Thor's one of my favorite characters. So when it comes to. Thor and Loki and Sif and Balder and, you know, all of that stuff and Heimdall and all. I know those names and I know the history of those characters, but I, I don't I don't remember Lorelai. So I had to go look that up. But, you know, it's it's getting better and better. Uh, so if people who have written it off really should give it another chance because it's it, it's it's getting pretty good. Um, Sky is still a. Uh, She's just a hot face, really. I mean, she's she's getting some depth to her as far as character is concerned, but I don't want to pull my eyes out every time she's on the screen or something. Like I said, because she's hot, but <laughs> but character-wise, it's she's kind of like a one-note one-note song, you know. Uh, Fitz and Simmons, they're cool. Um. Colson's good, although he's kind of become a little stagnant, but he's getting he's with revelations lately, he's getting a little better. Uh Agent May. Eh. May and Ward kind of bug me a little bit. In the one of the first episodes they had uh they told us that uh Agent Ward had like the best shield scores, I don't know, in combat or spying or you know, whatever the heck. 
since uh, uh, Agent Romanoff, Natasha, right? That's that's her name, Black Widow. Yep. When you watch Agents of Shield, and you watch, uh, and, and you remember that, and you watch Ward, I think to myself, he's not as badass as Black Widow. Like, I know they didn't say, like, she's, like, Ward is second in all of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Black Widow. They just said the best scores they've seen since her. But I don't, like, it's almost like a whole different tier of badassery with Black Widow than Agent Ward. I figure if he's, if they made it a point to say he's this epic, and so much so that they had to compare him to Black Widow, he should be somewhat comparable to Black Widow in epic awesomeness. And he's not. You don't you don't get the sense that if Black Widow and Agent Ward were to face off, that Ward would last more than five seconds. Now, do I think he should beat Black Widow? No. But I think, you know, that would be a good long, awesome badass with a bunch of cool moves kind of a fight. But I don't get that feeling from this character. I think I think in addition to injecting some personality in the into the guy, they they need to uh, they need to inject some sort of badassery, I guess, because they they keep telling us he's a badass and he's you know the guy who does most of the fighting besides Agent May, but you don't really feel that he's a badass, and that kind of bugs me. It's always. No matter what it is, I think it's always difficult when you 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 know when they go out of their way to tell you that you're supposed to think this way about this character, you're supposed to view this character a certain way, but you don't necessarily see what, <laughs> you don't you don't have the evidence to back up for. They're not giving you the evidence to back it up. Kind of like, kind of like how well the Clone Wars is, a, and we could talk about that potentially since we're doing talking about TV shows. Well, the Clone Wars animated show has certainly done a better job in showing Anakin to be a hero than the movies ever did. If you just relied on the movies, you know, Lucas wanted you to think, oh, Anakin was this great, he's this good guy, he's this hero, blah, 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 blah. But you didn't really see all that much of it. <laughs> you saw bits and pieces, but but you didn't have a whole lot of emotional investment in the character. Let's say you had much more. Let's say Obi Wan. You saw, you knew much more about Obi Wan based on just by watching him. That you would, even if you didn't know how Episodes four, five, and six turned out, to to think this guy's a hero. So it's kind of it's always like it's it's difficult like that. So I can understand what you're saying. So it's kind of like also if you're looking at since we're talking about superheroes and in TV shows and kind of sort of tied into the movies, kind of like Wolverine. Every every time they do a, every time they do like a new X Men movie, we always hear about how this is going to be you know the Wolverine everybody wants to see. This is going to be wolf you know the fans are going to go crazy. This is Wolverine in his berserker age, and every time every time we see a movie, it's the same thing. When he's fighting another mutant, nine times out of ten he keeps getting his ass kicked. If he fights a regular guy, yeah, he wipes him out. <laughs> it's like that's not the Wolverine should be destroying not everybody, but he should be wipe, wiping the floor with the most people that he faces relatively easily, and that's not what we see in the movies. So it's not, it's not, you know, it's kind of like, you know, he's, you know, he's a real badass because he, from the comic books. Otherwise, you know, he's, he's cool because Hugh, Hugh Jackman plays him cool. But, but if you just have to rely on having no backstory, just watching him on the screen, you would not think he's, 
he's as much of a badass. You would you would think his powers were badass. The fact that his healing factor more than anything, but but it's kind of the same thing. You know, when you don't when you when you they tell you they tell you this or they want you to feel away a certain way, but they don't give you a whole lot of or enough evidence to back it up. So I certainly can understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, they they. It, so so we've been talking about Arrow and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., two shows which you don't watch. So go ahead go, uh, with, with your Star Wars thing, man. <laughs> well, I did – well, as a lot of people probably probably know, certainly if you are any – if you – for the most part, if you're a Star Wars fan or – I guess there are a certain percentage of people who probably just – to our Star Wars fans that don't never bother to watch any of the Clone Wars show, and I'll and I can say I'm one of the people that when they had the first Clone Wars animated show with those little those relatively short uh, episodes that they used to have on, I never really watched that very often. I think I watched maybe like the I watched a couple episodes, and I know I watched the la- very last one they did, which was basically was supposed to almost be like a a pseudo prequel to the. More like a prologue, not a prequel. Like a prologue, or like one chapter before uh, Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith began, when Grievous got damaged. Even though they kind of screw that up in Clone Wars now too, since he he still coughs and he wasn't really supposed to be coughing until Mace Windu screwed him up. But the Clone Wars, you know, on on my birthday, on March seventh, was became was released on Netflix, which was the complete series. So all this, all the seasons that were on Cartoon Network plus the 13 episodes the you know the final missions or whatever they're called the last missions that uh, those episodes were released and I've I finished them all now so Liz and Liz and I watched them Liz and I watched most some of them together I che- I cheated and watched a few on my own first the the ones that were more interesting which certainly were not the ones with Jar Jar and Mace Windu <laughs> Good. Can't believe they. I mean, it wasn't a bad story to be fair, but to waste two episodes on having Jar Jar Binks be a major character is just. Ugh. But it was it was it was kind of interesting, and and if you're, and this would be interesting to get people's opinions on because I know I posted about it it's that when you watch when you especially when you watch these final episodes. And I guess we can. I guess it can be a spoiler on this too, because especially by the time this episode comes out, it's probably not going to be released probably until into April anyway at this point. So the episodes may have been out almost a month anyway. That you there are certain things that happen, especially in the first few episodes, that really should set the Jedi really off as far as questioning the the status quo. Basically, in the first story arc, you have a clone who. Who basically malfunctions essentially, and he and he executes Order sixty six on his own. So he kills kills one of the Jedi that that he's on assignment with, and that's when you find out that all the all the clones have a basically a, a biological inhibitor chip put into them during the early stages of cloning. And one of the one of the clones, whose friend of the one who kind of went wonky, you know, he wants he goes on a mission to try to figure out what's going on. He has his chip removed to prove that not only that it won't kill you, because because the first clone, the one that killed the Jedi, ended up dying after his chip was removed. And they basically he finds out essentially that it goes all the way up, I think, to Palpatine. And because he actually Palpatine, he spends a few minutes with Palpatine <laughs> alone, and you don't really see what goes on in the room. But that's but he, after, but he gets out of it and he says he just. 
you know, he just wants to convince Anakin and, and, and Rex, you know, his commander, everything that, you know, this, this, there's this conspiracy to kill, you know, basically to kill the Jedi. You don't understand. And at the end, it's one of those things that happens in a lot of the episodes where Palpatine kind of just pulls a wall, comes out with some bullshit story and the Jedi just, oh, okay. And then a couple episodes later, you find a, a, the origin, which is not really secret to like real Star Wars fans, people who didn't, who, who, because this has been alluded to and, and discussed, even though it wasn't really in, on screen anywhere, about how the clones, how the clone army came to being to be to begin with, which was that Jedi Master Sifo Dyas was basically killed by Count Dooku. Count Dooku impersonated him, and he's posed as Sifo Dyas, and then he's the one who placed the order of the of the clones. So they find out the Jedi find out that it, that it was Dooku who helped order the who ordered the clone army. And yet, because the fact that oh, if this becomes public, it might it's going to ruin the morale and, and the support for the war. They're going to sweep it under the rug, but they still don't have any, you know. But it doesn't set off the alarms that we're using an army that was created by pretty much the our known arch enemy at this point, having already had the whole inhibitor chip thing, and it's like all these things you didn't know about, and you still feel comfortable using <laughs> using all this stuff. So like a so the thought that popped into my head was even if Palpatine wasn't as great a puppet master as we know that he t- was, that he probably could have been a third-rate puppet master, and he still probably would have been succeeded because the Jedi were so oblivious and made such horrible, horrible decisions <laughs> that it's like, oh, it just it just makes you shake your head. It's like, it's like, it's just, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I assume you didn't watch the Clone Wars show. i was gonna say basically you just said a whole lot of stuff that just went right over my head (laughs) which is fine because i'm sure i i said some stuff that went right over your head um but i'm sure you've got some 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 people some listeners out there going yeah mark's right (laughs) um and 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 it's not that i don't want to watch clone wars or have no interest in it it's just just what i said earlier I just I, I I don't have room for it right now, and I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Um, I consider myself a Star Wars guy over a Star Trek guy, but I don't necessarily, you know, get super excited when TV shows or books or comics or that kind of stuff comes out based on the property. You know. No, I understand. I I don't. I don't read, and of course, I had a benefit when I when a lot, a lot of the expanded universe books first started. Not the very first wave, but shortly thereafter, because I used to work at Walden Books at one point. So when you worked at Walden Books, you could borrow stuff. So there were a lot uh, the paperbacks, of course, I always bought. But any of the new hardcovers that came out that interested me, I would usually borrow. And and a Star Wars book, especially, whether it's like two hundred. 80 pages or 400 something pages. I usually, my interest is there. I'll usually finish it in one night or finish it like in two nights max. Yeah, I'll do some skimming over stuff, but I'll, you know, but still. So I don't read as much expanded universe stuff as I used to. It has to, it's kind of really has to appeal to a certain, has a really spark an interest to me or go to a certain, just has to, you know, ring that bell. And most of it has to do with, you know, let's see, I, I read the Darth Bane trilogy, which was interesting because Darth Bane, even though he was never mentioned in the in Phantom Menace, he was in the novelization for Phantom Menace. And Darth Bane was the – basically, he's the equivalent of Luke 
for the Sith in the fact that he was the last survivor of the original of the original Sith, and he was the first of the new wave, and he's the one who created the rule of two, the master, only one master, and, and the apprentice, one to embody the power, one to crave the power. And he's the one who kept the Sith order alive and basically helped perpetuate the ideas and the plans and the schemes and the knowledge that, that would pay off all the way down the road with Palpatine. So a few, so sometimes down, there are a few expanded universe books that come out that I still read, but I don't read nearly as much. I mean, I don't read the, like the, but the new Jedi order or, or all the, there's a lot of things that I just have. I mean, I know of things that have happened in those books, but I don't, I really haven't paid attention in a long time. The clone wars, when it first came on, I didn't really watch that many episodes. I only got into it when there were things that appealed to me. Like when they, when they had, when they had some of the episodes, like when they brought Liam Neeson back as, as Qui-Gon, that was interesting. I would watch it when they brought Darth Maul back. That was interesting because Darth Maul was a character that they never should have killed off the way they did to begin with. I mean, and Lucas kind of, Either Lucas just came around on his own, or he knew because of the fact that the Disney merger was already being discussed long, you know, probably was long before it actually was ever announced clearly that maybe Darth Maul was brought back on purpose because they figured either Disney wanted it or because they knew he could be a viable character to use for merchandising and for and everything else. But bringing Darth Maul back, you know, made a lot made a lot of sense from us in, in the and it, certainly from an interest point of view. I think it created a lot more interest in the Clone Wars. And that's another story. If we're talking about things that we're reading or going to read, you know, that there's going that the story about Darth Maul that they brought that they started in the Clone Wars animated series, they never really ended. And these 13 new episodes that came out don't touch on it at all. And Dark Horse is going to be doing a comic book, which basically is going to sum up or basically the arc or the episodes that if they had ever gotten more time, if the show wasn't canceled. They, this story would have probably be, been those epi- been on as a, a story arc of, in those episodes, but instead it's going to be a comic book. So I'm more into the movies. I'm more interested, looking forward to episode seven. And but I did, but I oh, the last few seasons of the Clone Wars I think were were better. And it does, if nothing else, it does. Even though my as it's pointed has been pointed out to me, it's kind of an interesting like dichotomy that they do a much better job at making Anakin a hero and and showing. Especially kids, why you should like Anakin, but then that just leads you up to Episode Three, where you realize when he turns his back and everybody helps kill kids and becomes a total jerk, hmm. a big, the biggest asshole in the universe, basically. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, you make him a hero, but you kind of also gonna have it's gonna be a hard sell. Kids, kids especially, are gonna have a hard time understanding, understanding that. But All right. Well, well, three points. One, I absolutely am looking forward to Episode Seven. I'm chewing up as much information as I can about that movie, and it's uh, I'm looking forward to it very much so. Two, I think I don't watch Clone Wars not just because it's you know it's on my list, but I just haven't gotten it to it yet. I think it's also because Clone Wars is tied to the prequels, and I have a deep abiding hatred of the prequels. Um, and that's a legitimate that's a legitimate hate. It's not like oh, it's not it's not bandwagon hate, you know. You know, hardcore Star Wars fans hate the prequels, so uh, just to prove I'm a Star Wars fan, uh, (laughs) I'm going to say I hate the prequels. No, I hate the prequels. I hate them. And three, what was three? Um, Three. Oh, um, the only thing other than the actual movies themselves that I've made any effort to take part in is the, uh, the, the, the Thrawn trilogy. 
Uh, and I've only read the first novel of that so far. So there's that. And the Thrawn, and the Thrawn trilogy, and I, and I don't know if we, I don't know if I, we probably haven't discussed it on the air. I don't because we haven't talked much Star Wars. Uh, to me, I mean the Thrawn trilogy to me, it's good. I think it's way overvalued or overrated because it just happened to be the first expanded universe stuff that came out and people and real star and Star Wars fans, you know, who had just gone through the first three movies and basically that was people thought that was going to be completely it. That was the first real, you know, the first official sanctioned, authorized new material continuing the Star Wars saga that I think people just ate it up so much that even now you hear people like going, oh man, I hope episode seven does, you know, does the, th- you know, does the, uh, the Zahn trilogy, Admiral, you know, Admiral Thrawn. And it's like, they already, they've already told you whether, whether some of these characters, you know, in a, in a, enter into the picture is another story. They've already told you that it's going to be, it's a new story. They're not copying, you know, they're not doing the Zahn trilogy. They're not doing other ex- you know, they're not taking anything verbatim for the expanded universe uh, books. It's not an adaptation of anything. That I I like the Zahn, the Zahn stuff. I personally think there's much better expanded universe stuff that's been written than the, the Timothy Zahn. As, as I mentioned, the the, uh, the Darth Bane trilogy. I think the Darth Bane trilogy is far is much better. I mean, it doesn't have Han and Luke in it. Yes, that's in you know that that's a drawback. It doesn't have Han and Luke in it. But as far as considering that the whole story is about a you know basically you 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 learn how Darth Bane became a Sith, how he became you know how he basically helped engineer the end of the old order because much like Yoda kind of figured out at the very end what was you know where where the Jedi went wrong. That was you know that that was more of a point in the novelization for Sith that wasn't really shown visually that he kind of understood when he was fighting Sidious he kind of realized the mistake that the Jedi he had a moment of clarity of what he knew how the Jedi Order had failed and how it could survive but he had to get his you know what out of there with with Sidious in order for it to that knowledge to pay, pay any dividends well not to mention you can't you can't really do the Thrawn trilogy anyways because of the age of uh yes of the that is, that's another thing that people don't yes you, you have to you have to be realistic i mean you have to do something that's set you know you know 30 some 30 30 40 years or whatever it's been now since uh since episode six i mean you have to have a time you know you have to have a time appropriate so yes even so there's a there's a whole bu- but I mean, I like I said, I I think it, the Zahn trilogy will always hold an important role in the expanded universe and for fans because it was the first new material. And I still remember how excited I was. Now, cool, was seeing that hardcover book sitting on the display, heir to the Empire. It was like, oh, cool, I'm I'm gonna I gotta get this book. Mm-hmm. And I liked and I did and I did like the trilogy. So, but I, there but there are many things that I read that are that are better. I think personally than the Zahn trilogy, and it all depends on your interest, I suppose. But yeah. I, th- but I mean, and, and, and realistically, what do you people want? Do you want an adaptation of of the Thrawn trilogy, or do you want Harrison Ford and everybody to be in the, this next movie? Right. Which do you want more? <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean, you can't. You really, you really can't have. I mean, you can't have both unless you just want a completely CG, you know, <laughs> CGI Star Wars movie where. We, where <laughs> All right. Uh, so there's that. What else we? Uh, so movies, maybe movies. Okay, the only one, only one. Um, because your last, your last, uh, your your topic was movies, and I was like, you know, the number one movie I'm looking forward to is Godzilla. 
since that episode, the first real trailer for that movie has come out. Have you seen it? Yes, actually, I, I think I believe I believe I saw. <clears throat> excuse me, I saw it when it came out online, but I saw it in the theater last week when we went to see the quote unquote midnight the the ten forty of three hundred. It looks had- so awesome. <laughs> It looks so good. <laughs> it looks and your Mr. Peabody and your Mr. Peabody came out too. You have to go. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta, you have to go see that. Go... <laughs> I know it's not Godzilla, but it was on your list. Yeah, I do gotta go see that. Um, oh god, man, Godzilla. Uh, it's <laughs> it's gonna be so good, dude. Um, and you know what I like about it is it looks scary. Like it looks like. You know, like most Godzilla movies, you're like, you're, you're rooting for Godzilla. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You're like, come on, big guy, go tear down that building. You know, do in this movie, it looks like, you know, there might be a few people in the audience who are just going to be like, oh, dude, this, this dude's fucking up the city. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's really causing a threat to the entire entirety of humanity. And if they don't take him out, the world is over. For humans, you know, like there'll be people rooting against Godzilla when they go to see this movie. I won't because <laughs> I'm a huge Godzilla fan. I'll be like, puny humans die. <laughs> <laughs> Giant dinosaur ruling the earth. I'm cool with that. <laughs> but <laughs> it, I don't know. It just you know, it looks so cool that the the, anim- the 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 way the CGI looks, how big he is, how he looks himself. The level of destruction is insane. Um, it's uh, it's just epic. There's other monsters in this movie besides just Godzilla. It certainly looks that way based on the based on these. You know, when, when you're watching the images on the screen, there's whether it's Rodan or not. We know something seems to be flying. There, I so. swear to God, that looks like Rodan. But what I'm hearing is Toho didn't give the rights to any other monsters besides Godzilla. What they were doing is they're waiting to see how this movie does before they commit to anything else. So it's so the, what they had to do is they have other monsters in this movie, but they're not any of the monsters we know. That's what I'm hearing. So, but oh god, it's oh it, that trailer just reaffirmed the the number one spot of having. Godzilla up there as far as things I'm looking forward to this year that I just can not wait for this movie. What do you think of the trailer? I enjoyed it. Actually, I, that trailer certainly makes it, it, it raises the stakes as far as me wanting to see it certainly more than the teaser did. I mean, I would, I'd see it anyway. It's Godzilla. I would see it. Um, but I think as far as, just ju- trying to as much as you can to remove yourself and your knowledge and your previous interest in the in the character or the or the series. Just basing it on what you're seeing on the screen, that I think the the full trailer certainly does a much better job at mm-hmm. ma- as uh, making you like making if it's not a making it if it's not a must see, making it close to a must see. It's making certainly it 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 raises the it certainly raises the stakes and the interest and in whether. You know, you should go see this. So I think I think the trailer. I certainly think it was successful. So I think it's going to be think it's going to be good. And and as and as people will know by the time they listen to that to that episode to the that movie episode, there's 
you know, depending on what there's not once you, even once you get past May, I mean, there's there's a, there's not a huge amount of stuff to look forward to this year. Guardians of the Galaxy. There's a few things. Yes, I, I and I that's why I tried to and, and Spider Man too. No, actually, no, Spider Man's May, right? Spider Man's May. No idea. Right? It's May or June? I forget. Um, but yeah, uh, there's there's some there's there's a few things, but but it's not it's not loaded like let's say like next year is going to be loaded. Yeah, the and, next year is going to be really loaded. And story wise, in Godzilla, when they were talking about how those those nuclear tests in the Pacific, we weren't testing; we were trying to kill it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like right. I almost mentioned that the fact that I kind of like the fact that they they are they're kind of tying it in with the uh, back to the original on some level. Yeah, they're giving you they're giving you history, Godzilla history. Like it's oh, it's cool. Uh I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, and before we move off from live action stuff, just want to mention it. Super excited. Game of Thrones season four. The trailer's out for it. It looks cool. The dragons are getting bigger. Can't <laughs> wait till somebody kills the shit out of Joffrey and Cersei. Uh, I want to see. I want to see. Um, what's her name? Little Stark, the girl. Um, Arya. Arya. I want to see Arya learn to cut some some heads off. And go all badass. I want to see. Um, I want to see uh, Sansa. I want to see her break out of her shell and stop becoming, you know, what was me, and just become a badass. And you know, maybe take some lessons from uh, uh, God Tyrion, and you learn how to work behind the scenes and manipulate people and stuff. Uh, I I want to see more of Tyrion being a badass. I want to see more of Jon Snow being a badass. I want to see Daenerys get all crazy awesome. And, you know, I think, oh, God, it's going to be cool. And creme de la creme, season four premiere, April 6th, my birthday. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) So my day is going to be birthday and partying and awesomeness and the day off from work. And the day after that, the day off from work. And game, <laughs> get, game of Thrones premiere and epicness and awesomeness and it's gonna be so cool. Oh, I can't wait for Game of Thrones. So good, so good. So th- and that should be a good weekend too because that's the weekend I think Cap comes out. Yeah, I think so. Cap, Cap, I think comes out the fourth, right? It comes out the so so that's gonna be a that's gonna be a good a good weekend overall. Yeah. So and speaking and speaking of Cap, only because I just happened to stumble upon this while we were while we were chit chatting earlier. That I guess not that this, it's a surprise anyway, but I guess based on the uh, already based on the positive reactions and everything else that they're Cap three, they're, Cap three with the uh, Anthony and Joe Russo who directed Cap two that are they're supposedly on board to do the sequel and they're supposedly. Either writing it now or certainly fleshing out the ideas now, since they 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 have read the script for Ultron, so they know where Cap's going to be at the end of that movie. So it makes it easier to plan ahead. But awesome, a lot of the so I guess the word on the street so is that Cap will be living after the age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, probably yes. So the word on the street is that uh, Winter Soldier is supposed to be really good. So. Uh, I can't wait for that. That's gonna be that's gonna be real good. Um, I know my coworker Jeff is. That's the one he's really looking forward to is Winter Soldier. Um, yeah. Okay. So we've been like an hour on movies and TV. I'll move on. Uh, comics. So comics. We're talking comic talk. We should probably do some actual comics uh, stuff for reading. Um, 
I don't know. I don't really have a big pull list because most of my stuff I get, you know, digitally uh, rather than single floppy issues. But one of the one of the issue one of the the floppy issue series I'm actually making an effort to get every issue of and actually because look at at, at my. My, at my LCS, I tell them to pull certain trades. Like, there are certain series I want to keep up with in trade form, and I'm keeping up with currently digitally. So I don't have on my list a pull for floppies, except for Amazing X-Men. Uh, Amazing X-Men is... Guess the adjective I'm going to use. Uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing X Men is amazing. Uh, it's 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 so good. I you know look. I, I just said earlier I don't have much of a history with with uh, with Marvel. Uh, as I know who Storm is, I know who Beast is, I know who Iceman is. Okay, um, Beast and Iceman. I read the first issue, the first you know maybe trades worth of the original first appearance of the X Men. So I know about Beast. I know about Iceman. I know. Obviously, I know about Wolverine. Obviously, I know about Storm. Other than the movies, don't know anything about Nightcrawler. Uh, other than uh, uh, I don't know anything at all about Northstar. And Firestar is one of my favorite characters in the entire Marvel universe. I mean, she's up there with Thor and Venom. I love Firestar. The only reason I got this series is because Firestar is in it. I am so glad I did. This series is so good. Uh, it's Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Uh, Nightcrawler comes back. He's in heaven. Uh, his father is in hell. And he's making war on heaven in the afterlife. And there's pirate ships and, and swashbuckling. And firestar sets hell on fire after iceman freezes it over uh everybody gets super happy look i don't know anything about i don't know anything about nightcrawler right but every time a character in here finds out he's back like the look on beast's face the look on wolverine's face like you start liking this character based on the fact that the other characters like this character it's 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 a, it's awesome. I love I love this series. It's so good. Um, I, have you been reading this at all? No, I, there's not. I there's not one single X book right now. Actually, let me take it back. There's one. Not a fish. Not one team X book. Let's let's leave it at that. That I am. There's I don't read any of the team X books at this point. There's one solo book that I just started reading. But other than that, I don't read any of them. It's it's I highly recommend it, and this is coming from a guy who really hasn't read much Marvel since uh, Straczynski left Thor. Uh, I plan on getting Thor: God of Thunder in trade. Yes, guys, I know it's good. I read the first issue or two. It's it is good, but not good enough for me to get issue by issue. Amazing X Men, good enough for me to get issue by issue. Um, uh, so good. Um, what else? Um, Still getting my Nexus Omnibuy? Nexus, look, you, you're crazy if you're not, if you're even slightly a Nexus fan or slightly a Steve Rude fan or slightly a hit. You know, there are, there are comic fans out there who have the stuff they're interested in. And then they buy stuff because every other comic fan has it. Like, um, 
Sandman, Watchmen, uh, Alan Moore, Swamp Thing, um, uh, Starman, um, so on and so forth. If you're one of those people who has even a small portion of, I had no interest in it, but every comic fan in the world says it's an amazing book, so I had to have it. Nexus is one of those things. Steve Rude Nexus is one of those things. These Omnibi are like 400 plus pages each. They're about the size of a standard uh, paperback novel. The Easily portable, full color original Steve Rude Nexus stuff for $25. If you're not getting these and you're even slightly interested in them, you're insane. It's amazing stuff. I love it. It's so cool that and I've got all four volumes now. They're so good. It's it's ridiculous. And and my exposure to Nexus literally, I you know, you guys have listened to the show for a while probably when Nexus teamed up with Magnus the Robot Fighter for a two-issue uh, little storyline, my one of my first comics, the first comic I ever had, was the second issue of that series. Other than smatterings here and there, that's my entire exposure to Nexus. These books are so good. It's awesome. I love it. Um, the backups, not so much. I'm not that interested in Clone Zone. Uh, for those of you who know that who that is... Uh, they they're they're the whole series is weird but but clone zone backups are just a whole different level of weird that i just can't keep up with um have you have you ever read any steve rude nexus no, no i have not no these the, are you one of those comic fans who has stuff like that that i was talking about historic comic awesomeness or do you only buy what but what you like i don't buy stuff just i don't there's very few things that I buy that I just buy because everybody else says it's good and I have no really interest necessarily in the material, but I I want to see what other people are talking about. Probably the closest thing to that was when I bought Watchmen. Uh-huh. That was about that was about the closest thing. Most of this most stuff I do buy is just stuff that I have an interest in in myself based on the subject matter mm. or things like that. I just not I don't really yeah, I don't really go I don't really t- I tend not to just buy just uh Oh, because you sh- people people say you should have this, or you're missing out if you don't. It's just you know, once in a great while, but not not very often. Yeah, uh, it's it's good. And speaking of Dark Horse, if you're not reading uh, Captain Midnight, you should. That's good. Um, really enjoying that. Uh, and that's you know they just solicited like issue twelve or eleven or something like that. So it's been going for a little while now, and it's it's cool. Um, not. My, you guys heard my rant a few episodes ago about DC. That was like a, a half-hour rant. Um, DC is... There's stuff I'm keeping up. Wonder Woman, for instance, I keep up with in trade. I have no problems at all with Wonder Woman in that particular series. That seems to be going well for me. Um, Aquaman, for the most part. Batman, for the most part. You know, there is stuff about the New 52 I like and I enjoy and I want to keep up with. But as far as new stuff I've discovered that I want to really want to pimp out, there's not really anything there. Um, And when we get to the Larfleys report, I'll tell you some stuff that I am looking forward to that will be coming out. Uh, But uh, other than that, yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot I'm, I'm reading and keeping up on. Uh, the Breath of Bones, for those of you who uh, who are interested in, I was pimping Breath of Bones, a three-issue series from Dark Horse. 
Um, that has been traded now, hardcover. Um, uh, slightly oversized hardcover, so good. If you haven't read it yet, I mean, there. Now that the trade is out, there's all kinds of reviews out, out there just praising the crap out of this book. Uh, you really, really, really should get it. It's 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 awesome stuff. Um, is what what are you reading right now? Other than you know the GL stuff you're required to read for membership on the show. <laughs> well, I am reading Lore Fleas, which I guess in theory might be required at some point. I'm hoping it's not going to be. <laughs> well, we're 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 trading that basically. We're yeah. We're... Well, I, I I'm only kidding. I mean, re re. Rereading it again from beginning from beginning to end, much like a lot of these a lot of the other story arcs we end up doing, Wait, it, it it tends not to be as bad. Beginning beginning issue one or beginning like back in, including threshold back. Nah, I, I honestly want I don't want to go back to threshold. I mean, because if we go back and do the Lord Fleas part of threshold, we have to go back to the other stuff. Oh, <laughs> well, we're going back to the other stuff. I maybe maybe you can farm that one out to Dan or John because I don't think I want to do that. Hey guys, you want to come on the show? Awesome, we love Lantern Cast. We'll come back, huh? Oh, you want us to talk about Guess Threshold? What? You, get, you get Threshold, click. <laughs> um, so I, I am reading in quotes because it, sometimes it's a skim. But I, so I'm, so there's there is Laura Fleas, which technically is a Lantern book. Um, what else am I reading now? I. I'm reading Justice League 3000, though I did miss an issue because I wasn't. I I thought I'd put it on my pull list, but I but I had not done that yet. So I think I missed issue three. I think it was three I missed. I know that I think the new issue comes out tomorrow, um, but I I missed one issue. I know that. So I'm I'm reading that. I started rereading um, Superior Spider-Man. Now that it's getting to the end, most not just because it's getting to the end, because they actually have Norman Osborn back, and they have, which is kind of the pretty much the only constant in, in when I've been reading Spider-Man over the last umpteen years since uh, since Brand New Day and everything else. That you bring back the Green Goblin, I'll read it. Other than that, for the most part, I really don't care. <laughs> you know, then talk about a retcon and talking, you know, talk about it like a New Fifty Two kind of thing. Oh, this history doesn't really exist, but somewhere maybe it might, and yada, yeah. So, I am enjoying Superior Spider-Man now. It makes it easier to enjoy it, knowing that you know it's kind of that Peter Parker is going to be back now, which we all knew at some point he was going to be back. But and so, you give him credit for you know, it. Was it was it was an interesting story? I can't even call it an arc. It was an interesting book, an interesting uh, risk to take by doing what they did. I don't. Because you knew they were going to alienate a whole bunch of people to do what they did with Doctor Octopus and Peter Parker. That that was that was a big a big move. Nobody really thought it was going to last. Just like when they supposedly quote unquote killed off the Human Torch, even though you never saw his body in that issue of the Fantastic Four a few years ago. So I'm re I'm reading that. I'll at least read that until Spider until Amazing comes back, and then after that, who knows? Um, what else am I reading? I dropped, I dropped your boy, your boy Phantom Stranger there. I just couldn't, it just wasn't doing it for me. I haven't, I haven't been keeping up with that. I want to. I, I, I have those issues, and they're on my digital to read pile. So it started becoming like we talked about before when about criteria for 
keep for keeping a book and not keeping a book when you when you start when you start getting a book and you kind of gloss through it and if somebody asked you like five minutes after you gloss through it what happened in the book and you really don't know and you kind of have in your mind's eye you kind of know the odds are you're never going to go back and reread this book or you or, and you probably will never have to because it's never going to have you know some major storylines not going to tie back into a two years or five years from now that if you had that book you know you would have seen this coming or you could cross-reference it or or some something that when those things all those alarms start going off that's when i start jumping ship so i kind of i like the character and i like their approach and i like the background they gave him being judas and all the stuff i really like that but i just couldn't justify continuing to buy it at this point so i dropped that i did start on my pull list i do i did pick up magneto one last week didn't like the art at all but the storyline on that is that at least i'm going to continue for a few issues to see where to see if it can grab me i almost feel bad sometimes when you read a book and or when you and the art is just so bad that it just completely derails any enjoyment from it even if the writing is good and it's and i know i shouldn't feel bad because it's it's like it's you know it's a dual media format i mean it's not just it's not just the pictures and it's not just the writing it's both so if one of them stinks it can completely torpedo the book um, and to me, the, the art in Magneto was not particularly good. Certainly, at some points, it was really not good. So, but I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a shot for a few more, at least a, at least maybe the first arc and see where it goes. One thing I, I'm a, obviously Sinestro. I will be reading again. That will fall into the Green Lantern books, and I'm also going to, as I kind of alluded to, the Dark Horse miniseries, uh, Darth Maul. Son of Dathomir, which will basically, one way or the other, whether it's a it's a completely wrapped up in a bow kind of ending or not, I'm probably not. I'm hoping not. Um, it's going to wrap up Darth Maul's story and his story arc that began in the Clone Wars, uh, I think, at the end of season four, and it was kind of left hanging towards the end of season five when Sidious kind of kind of kicked his butt and then kind of took him off the map again, saying he had, he wasn't going to kill him, but he had other plans for him. And that you just didn't know what it was, and, I, and so that's going to follow that, st- hit, resolve his story. And I'm trying to think of this, and I don't want to go on, I don't want to ramble, but I'm trying to think of this anything else that I'm off the top of my head. I don't think there's anything else that I'm reading right now on a on a regular basis. I think I think that's it. I, I don't like you said. I, I I don't get much. I don't get much pulled either between between limited space and limited and limited funds. It's like after a while, even if you start a even if you start a book, I mean, if it just doesn't grab you, I mean, even if you like the character, if the, if the story arc isn't grabbing you or pulling you in all the time, you have to move on. I mean, that was that was a Swamp Thing with me. I was looking forward to a new Swamp Thing book, though. In all honesty, I think I probably was looking forward more to the new Swamp Thing book that was that was that would have been born out of the new out of brain, uh, brightest day as opposed to what happened when they revamped it in new 52 and kind of threw out half the stuff that we saw as him being like the guardian, you know, the, the new white lantern pseudo guardian of, of earth and all that. So sometimes you just got to cut bait. Yeah. And that's kind of what I am these days with a, with a lot of books. I mean, it's just not enough to many series come along, you know, you, you have, you know, like when Avengers versus X-Men came, came along or forever evil. That's something I, that, I, Forever Evil, I am reading, and I am still in. And actually, through this point, I'm enjoying Forever Evil a lot. I think it's one of the best things Jeff Johns has written in a while. 
So maybe it is a benefit for Jeff Johns. Maybe there is a real benefit for Jeff Johns to kind of like stop writing monthly books as as often now and just moving on to events and being kind of like a the godfather pulling the strings of of the DC universe and at least as far as overall plotting and the direction that they're going in. So I almost forgot Forever Evil. I would be remiss if I didn't sing the praises of Forever Evil up to this point. It's really a it's definitely worth reading. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, I guess we're not reading a whole lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I got a Doctor Who novel. Oh, Doctor Who. I guess I should talk about that. Um, I've watched all of David Tennant and two seasons of Matt Smith. Um, and it's not bad. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm continuing watching it. You know, getting the rest of what I've what I've been missing. Um, so I mean, it's I don't know what else I can say about it. Um, another episode that creeped me out, besides the uh, the, the the weeping angels thing, was the um, the one with the dollhouse, where they get the, there's the kid who hears monsters and whenever something scares him, he puts it in the closet or the the cupboard or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That one was kind of creepy. Um, the reveal about River Song, eh, I don't know if I like that or not. It, it, it didn't bother me, but when I, when I saw it, I, it wasn't like, a, oh crap. It was more like a, hmm, alrighty then. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't like shock me or anything. It was just like, well, I guess that's one way to go with it. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, I, 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 I'm confident in saying Matt Smith is my doctor. Um, definitely like, you know, I was talking about this at a comic shop the other day with somebody. The, um, the thing about Matt Smith I like is he kind of brings, uh, and again, I haven't seen all the doctors. I've seen two. So I know that my opinion on this matter is a little wonky. But that being said, Matt Smith kind of brings gravitas to the role of the doctor. Like, you know, I, I, I don't think David Tennant could pull off the whole, you know, the, the Matt Smith doctor speeches, you know, like the, I am the doctor and, you know, people go running away type of a thing. I don't think David Tennant could pull that type of thing off, but I, you know, I know that every doctor's personality is a little different and, you know, so on and so forth. But I, the way Matt Smith portrays the doctor is the way in the way I like him, you know? So he's good. I still, I like David Tennant a better based on Liz. Another thing, Liz, she pretty much watched all the, the, let's say the current runs. We're not talking back to the seventies and things like that. All, all the current runs of doctor who the, the, the few seasons leading up through, I think we, I don't think we, the current season, the last season, with the you know the day of the doctor and all that, all that that hasn't that's not available for, uh, on Netflix yet. I think it's on Amazon Prime, but it's not free yet. So she hasn't watched she hasn't watched that. So she's watched everything up to that. So I've seen so I've seen a few doctors through through Smith. I I like Smith, but I I still Tennant's the one I like. So. The one I like a little bit more, but I'm looking forward to the uh, what the day of the doctor that one when they're both in it together, mm. along with uh, what John Hurt 
Yeah, well, I, I I haven't seen it yet. I've I've like I yeah. said, I'm 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 two seasons into the 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 Doctor. I'm yeah, I'm at the the last episode I saw was the end of the season with the whole astronaut thing. Ah, uh, yes, okay. I remember that one. <laughs> I think the episode was titled the the Wedding of River Song. So that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at. Um, Let's see. I guess nothing else but to go into the Larfleys report. You, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, so um, Larfleys report done a little di- differently. I ripped all the pages out of previews of the stuff I, I was going to talk about and stapled it together in a little packet. So pages turning that you hear will be me flipping back and forth between packets. But first, uh, what we'll do, just because there's not actual lot of Green Lantern itself merchandise, We'll just talk about some of the issues coming out. Or yeah, we're back to that. Um, Green Lantern 30 out on April 2nd, uh, $2.99. And then Green Lantern 31 uh, out May 7th, same price. Guess what? Start of another storyline. Woohoo! <laughs> Uprising, part one. Hooray. The cover looks cool. The, the concept looks cool. I'm just... I'm sorry. I'm sick of stories. You guys know. I'm sick of the story. I'm sick of stories. Sick of the storylines again and again and again. But you know that. Um, but re- to be fair, in a way, this really is a. Mu- I don't know if this. It certainly doesn't seem like it's an event because it just seems like it's yet another continuation of the whole Kuhn, of the whole, excuse me, the Kun, the Durlin thing that just doesn't seem to want to end. <laughs> Why won't you die? <laughs> yeah. Um, Green Lantern Core 30. April 9th, and then uh, on May 14th, Green Lantern Core 31, Uprising Part 2. Uh, more stuff with the Coon and the Durlins, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see here. We've also got Green Lantern New Guardians number 30. Uh, and this is out April 16th. Uh, also, this month you've got Green Lantern New Guardians Annual number 2. Don't miss Curse of the White Lantern. This is on uh, April 30th, 48 pages for $5. Uh, Green Lantern New Guardians 31. Uh, so there's that, and that issue comes out on May 21st. So lots of stuff happening over the next two months uh, with, with uh, New Guardians, at least. Setting up another storyline. Not sure how I feel about that. Wait, I am. Um, <laughs> so there's. I have hope. Never because just because of Saint Walker, I have hope because at least at least because it's back, it's back revolving around the New Guardian book. Which, Bite me, which is the best book of the group. <laughs> no, uh, eh, whatever, I, eh, whatever. I just the the storyline after storyline, it just it just it gets it gets to me. Whatever, it's it, it yeah. Um, Red Lanterns number thirty out April twenty third. Dan will like it because uh, Dexstar dominates the cover, and he's like four times the size of everybody else on this cover. Um, then Red Lantern's 31 on May 28th. In addition, I'm also going to talk about Supergirl number 30 and Supergirl 31. It's part of the Red Daughter of Krypton storyline. Uh I don't know, we, and we can, we'll decide this live on air for all I care. Do you want to cover Red Daughter of Krypton as Red Daughter of Krypton? Like, you know, all the issues back to back to back rather than doing, uh, you know, Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, New Guardians, and Red Lanterns when we get caught up? 
Are you talking about every issue, including the actual Supergirl issues? Or yes, just the, the, I'm talking. I I'm talking. Well, I don't have. I don't have those issues, so that could be a problem. <laughs> well, they're, they're not out yet. I think one of. I thought one of them did come out. Maybe it just came out. I, I thought one part did come well, out. Well, if one part, the you're t- the double sided issue. Well, I know that one, but I thought I, th- I thought one issue of Supergirl did come out. Well, then it'll be easy to, to find. <laughs> Either that, or we'll let you do the issues I don't have, and then I'll do the ones that I have. <laughs> but yes, I don't know. Um, how do we? How many issues is that arc? Uh, according to what I'm seeing, let's see. This one, Supergirl thirty says in Red Daughter of Krypton, part two of three. But that could just mean part two of three for Supergirl. Which is probably what it does mean, because that would indicate that there's one part that came before it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what we should do with that one. Okay. All right. Well, I'm. I'll, I'll be reading it just because I'm curious. Um. So there's that. Um. But yeah, whether or not we'll 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 tell you, dear listener, in the in a future Facebook post or something, whether or not we're co- we're going to comment on it. But it does seem cool. I mean, it's Tony Bedard at the helm on the uh, on the uh, Supergirl side, and he's got experience with lanterns. So yes, he does. So I mean that 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 would be cool to read just for that that fact alone. Um, we've also got Sinestro. So we got Sinestro number one coming out, uh, April 16th. And then of course you've got Sinestro's, uh, Sinestro number two, May 21st. Art and cover by Dale Eaglesham. Do you like this art? I think overall, I think I do like Eaglesham, which is funny because when we do the next review, which will be the Green Lantern 25 through 27, Eaglesham actually does draw, I believe, number 27. And for the most part, much like – because Eaglesham also was the one who maybe not coincidentally drew the Sinestro Villains Month one-shot that much like in that issue where for the most part the art's really good, but maybe there's a few times he drew Hal – that was kind of hit or miss. That's kind of how I felt of the art in Green Lantern 27. But he does draw a good Sinestro. I think most of the time the, char- the characters that he draws overall are good. So I'm think I, I think I am looking forward to it. I, I think I, I, I think I'm feel fairly confident that the art's going to be pretty good in that book. See, the the art is the only thing that's got me wavering. Like I, I, I mean, I, am I excited? Sinestro's got his own series. Yes and no. Mostly yes. Partly no, because it's yet another Lantern series. And not that I think, you know, the Lanterns shouldn't have as many books as possible, but I think they should have as many awesome books as possible. <laughs> and I'm kind of worried about them spreading it a little too thin. But Well, we know Lor- we know Larflees has – Larflees' days have to be numbered. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, really numbered. <laughs> I, they haven't announced the final issue look, yet, but you uh, have look, to think I'm, it's getting close. I'm supporting Larflees in, in one way and one way – well, two ways – Covers by Tyler Kirkham, art by Scott Collins. That's all I'm – Tyler and Scott, well, it's two of my favorite artists right there. So that that's the only way I'm – and speaking of Larflees, Larflees number 10 out April 23rd. Larflees number 11, May 28th. Um, the, covers have, the covers have been really good. Yes, they have. There's, there's absolutely – the covers have been probably arguably the best part. I wish the art internally was as good as the covers. Overall, but and this, to be fair, like I think we've mentioned before, as a the book has gotten better, especially when you just focus on Larflees and you're not dealing with so much of this whole cosmic butler kind of stuff, which just it just makes my makes me want to bang my head against the wall half the time. But a lot of the 
a bunch of the stuff that they've done recently, especially with the the Orange Lanterns not just being you know dead avatars anymore, kind of have that. And even the last issue that I read related, you know, kind of which is I think kind of the setup for this whole Cosmic God Council of Ten thing. That uh, that was good. I actually enjoyed reading reading the the book, but that's because most of it didn't deal with. There wasn't as much interaction with the whole that whole Butler thing, which I just wish they'd moved beyond that. It just seems like kind of like a stupid thing for Laura Fleece to be obsessing over, even though it is Laura Fleece, so it doesn't. So all I need, all you really need is to have something that he doesn't, and it doesn't really matter what it is. It could be a dime, and, and he's gonna go crazy over. So, but it's it's gotten better. I. It still doesn't mean I think the book has. <laughs> has much life left in it i can't imagine based on sales certainly that they're going to let it go for much longer but but i have but i have no problem when we cover it to do if we're going to do it all in like one episode or two or two episodes to do the to do the whole series probably two yeah considering that'll be at least 12 issues you would think yeah um more green lantern appearance he's appearing uh, or green lantern the concept at least is appearing in a lot of issues lately uh injustice year two number five out may 28th under order of this seems interesting so i might start reading this here under orders from the guardians kilowog leads a team of green lanterns to earth to apprehend superman and return him to oa to stand trial but the man of steel is not about to go quietly and the green lantern corps haven't factored in superman's new allies the first battle begins in a war that could tear the universe apart. Well, that seems cool. So I'll probably be checking that out. Um, in addition, uh, Season 11 of Smallville starts an awesome story arc. Smallville Season 11, Lantern Number 1. Uh, this is April 16th. The Green, Ring, uh, the Green Lantern Ring for Space Sector 2813 was inactive for years after Krypton's end until the creation of the Argo Colony recalled it to service. As none of Zod's followers are suitable candidates, the ring search brings it to the nearest Kryptonian it can recruit. Smallville, Smallville Season 11 continues in Lantern Part 1 of 4. Uh, and then uh, out on May 14th, Lantern Number 2, Clark Kent is just beginning to grasp the potential of the Green Lantern Ring, but all of Jon Stewart's training hasn't prepared him for the battle they're about to face. Will Clark need to use his natural superpowers to defeat an enemy John fears. So that's cool. Smallville, it, Smallville doing the Green Lantern concept finally. Yeah, it is. And the cover is pretty cool. Yeah. So the, for number two, the cover for number two looks really cool. It looks really, really cool. Um, yeah. So a couple of other Green Lantern things. Justice League number 31, May 21st by Jeff Johns. Uh, introducing the new Power Ring. And this is interesting. But who is she... <laughs> what does she want, and how will her presence affect the team? You think this is that chick that? Um... It is. Okay, it is. It's, it's Jessica Cruz. Okay. <laughs> so I'll actually. That's that is an issue. I will actually. I will actually get, and there's a chance because I'm kind of intrigued how Forever Evil ends, and how obviously it's going to impact the makeup of the Justice League team since you see Lex is on the cover. Yeah, Lex is on the cover that, of this one. Yeah, I I might actually give that. I might go back to justice league and st and give it a shot again. Now yeah. I am kind of interested in the, and Jessica Cruz from the point of view of that, especially I'm, I'm more interested in a way because they didn't just give her like a normal ring. You know, they gave, it's really kind of interesting that they're giving her, you know, power, power rings ring, which is not quite up to snuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, justice league 3000, number six out May 7th. Um, you know, 
it's it's Justice League 3000. There's a Green Lantern in there, but it does say the League decides to launch a mission to rescue Green Lantern. So there's a, a, there's a, a, a heavy Green Lantern aspect to this story here. Also, Earth 2, apparently Green Lantern died or disappeared for a while or something. I don't know. I'm not caught up. Um, Earth 2 number 23 out May 7th with Green Lantern resurrected. That's why I'm saying this. The heroes of Earth 2 go on the offense against the forces of Darkseid and Apocalypse. As the heroes prepare an all-out assault, plans are put in, in, into motion for the Red Tornado to make one last desperate attempt to stop Superman. Um, so another Green Lantern-centric storyline there. A um, couple of trades to mention for you guys, trades and hardcovers. Green Lantern lights out hardcover out June 18th, collects Green Lantern 24, uh, Green Lantern Core 24, Green Lantern New Guardians 23 and 24, Red Lanterns 24, Green Lantern Annual 2, and Green Lantern 23.1 Relic. And that'll be, again, June 18th, 25 bucks hardcover. Uh, also, Red Lanterns Volume 4 Blood Brothers trade paperback. This is collecting the, the new run of Red Lanterns by Charles Sewell. So that'll be... Um, uh, Charles Sewell and Venditti and Van Jensen and everybody. So that'll be uh, Red Lanterns 21 through 26 and Green Lantern Annual Number Two. This is trade paperback. Um, it'll be 16.99, and that's May 28th. Um, you've also got Larfleet's Volume One: Revolt of the Orange Lanterns trade paperback, um, June 18th, 16.99. Larfleet's uh, One through Five and the backup stories from Threshold One through Six. In one trade. Um, June 18th. I might get that. Maybe. I mean, do I, do I, am I really enjoying Larflees that much? No. <clears throat> and my voice went when I said that. Uh, How appropriate. I <laughs> know, right? <laughs> am I enjoying Larflees that much? No. But it does have the first five issues and the backups in one volume. And I always want to try and support DC when they trade something right. <laughs> like, for instance, when they did they traded Blackest Night by by doing Blackest Night the main story, then Blackest Night the Green Lantern issues, and then Blackest Night the Green Lantern core issues. When at the very least they really should have done Blackest Night and Blackest Night Green Lantern in one trade because those really went together. Right. Um, but this, you know, this is smart trading. So I, you know, maybe I don't know. Um, and then Green Lantern Core Volume Three Willpower Trade Paperback June eleventh sixteen ninety nine Green Lantern Core fifteen through twenty and Green Lantern Core Annual Number One uh, is in there as well. And let's see other Green Lantern stuff. We got the Atomic Green Lantern statue figure, whatever from Infinite Crisis. Um, I don't know what this is, so maybe you can fill people in. You're the toy guy. That's is that the Hal Jordan one with the tattoos or whatever? Yeah, the, is, is it that one like the Green Lantern symbol on his chest and everything. See, in all honesty, maybe it's because it's been so such a long time since since Infinite Crisis at this point. But I don't even remember that Green Lantern from Inter Infinite Crisis. I remember the other one they did, but the the night one, the night looking guy. Yeah. And they did that statue not that long ago, which I did think about getting, but I didn't. That I, I do actually remember that Green Lantern. Well, this is Infinite based Crisis. on designs from the upcoming MOBA game Infinite Crisis. Ah. 
And th- was- this is a one-ninth scale line of figure figures from DC Collectibles, and they're they're called collector figures. So they're they're action figures, but the detail in them, they're forty bucks a piece. On twenty in twenty uh, August twenty fourteen. So it's more like a statue. It seems. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a fine line. You know, sometimes there's these they come up with these things where they seemingly are they call them action figures, but you really can't do much with them. That they are kind of like. It's, yeah, it looks like the only articulation is the head, the shoulders, and the uh, elbow. Yeah, there's definitely articulation in the arms looking at it. I like the base. The base is pretty cool. Um, like I said, if it's... I know it's based on designs for the game. The question is whether whether these were also... Any of these were ever used for during the actual storyline of Infinite Crisis. I don't remember off the top of my head of this... Hal looking like this, or a Hal looking like this. But it's a cool statue. I mean, I don't think I'm going to get it, or figure. I don't think I'm going to get it, but... Yeah. But they haven't, like, as you mentioned, there just haven't been a whole lot of toys, or... This hasn't been a lot of whole Green Lantern stuff in general. Well, I mean, you, lately. you do have the DC Heroclix War of Light Sinestro Corps War scenario pack. Right, and I... Good segue. I was hoping you were going to follow up on that because I didn't want to jump. I didn't want to steal your thunder and mention that. But yes, that is that's probably the that is probably the the biggest thing from a toy perspective from, from for a Green Lantern guy in certainly the next the current issue out of previews. Yeah, it's um, let's see. It doesn't say the date is coming out, um, but it'll be twenty bucks for the scenario pack. And I'll just read it. Kick off the War of Light excitement in your store and wet players' appetites with this special scenario pack. The War of Light Sinestro Core War scenario pack features content not found anywhere else in the DC Heroclix War of Light event series, including an exclusive Green Lantern Heroclix figure, an exclusive Sinestro Heroclix figure, a Green Lantern Ring 3D special object, a Shield Construct 3D special object, die with custom Green Lantern logos, and War of Light scenario rules. All of the content found in the Sinestro Core War scenario pack is unique to this product and will not be found in the DC Heroclix War of Light tournament set. This retail uh, SKU is the only way to get Green Lantern, Sinestro, as well as the Green Lantern ring and shield contract 3D objects. So, does that... I'm not a Heroclix guy. Does that mean that Warth and Dexter and this other one are are in this pack or what? I believe so. Okay. Because it doesn't actually tell you the number of figures. Okay. It just I don't believe it does. Let's see, because it's what is let's see, Greenland an exclusive Greenland or an exclusive Sinestro. I'm well maybe I don't know. I'm thinking I'm suspecting that they're included. Because it would kind of be false advertising to, to, to show Warth and Dexter not to be in it. Mm-hmm. But I guess it would be nice if they actually gave us, if they showed you every single figure. Yeah. But for 19.99, the odds are there's going to be, I don't know, maybe maybe not. I mean, now that you read the content, because you would figure you would get at least five at least five figures, but there could be more. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember how many came in the uh, when I got when I picked up the new Guardian set. I'm trying to. Or, I, there probably were more than five in that, so maybe, maybe, maybe they are included. It would be nice if they if they were included. Obviously, just having the uh, the War of Light would obviously as a as a, an event series 
means that there's going to be a lot of other lanterns we're going to be able to get, even if they're not included in in the scenario pack. Right. And it's only thirteen ninety nine as of now uh, on DCBS. If you pre-ordered on DCBS, this might come out before. My correction, it might come out after the time you can actually order it online on DCBS, but probably not too late where you can't call them and order it. But so it's it's at least uh, six dollars cheaper if you pre-order it or on DCBS. So I did order one of those. I've never played a HeroClix game. I never have honestly either, but I have a lot of the figures. <laughs> I have a set, never played. <laughs> it's like a lot of other things. They're just you know, it's like it's they're you know they as a collectible they're, they're kind of cool. Yeah. So I have a lot of a lot of the lanterns I picked up and. Yeah, I got my lead figures for my collection. Those are cool. They are cool too. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they'd do more of those, but whatever. Uh, they've done the stupid chess pieces now. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, the whole chess set. Yeah, too. So, which is independent of independent of the chess pieces. Yes, the colored chess pieces. Like I have the Hal, but the Hal Bishop. Mm. I think he was a white. Was he, was he a white bishop? I thought. But they have the whole chess set that's actually in this issue too. A previews. Yeah, not really my thing. Um, no, not really. Toon Tumblr's DC Heroes mini glasses. Now you can collect all of your DC Comics favorites on these colorly, colorfully decorated mini glasses. Um, by mini glasses, folks, they mean shot glasses. <laughs> it's funny. The, they, they make a point of saying mini glasses, I guess for, you know, being PC. I don't, I don't know. But over here on the bottom, it's you got you know the code for each glass and the price and everything. It says Superman shot glass, Batman shot <laughs> yes. glass. Um, so there's a Green Lantern one, obviously, or else I also wouldn't be mentioning it. Uh, it's got the Green Lantern you've seen with him flying forward, you know, and the ring forward. It's got Green Lantern symbol behind him, the Green Lantern lettering underneath. Uh, it's pretty cool looking. The set, the set's interesting. You've got Green Lantern, Superman. Wonder Woman, Batman. But you've also got Harley Quinn, Robin, Catwoman, Joker, and Nightwing. So it's the Batman set for the most part. It's bas- <laughs> basically the Batman set. Like you, You've got, what, six? Let me see. Yeah, six. Yeah, six, yeah. Six Batman ones, Batman-related ones, and three other DC ones. Uh, yeah, I, it's kind of a, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get the popularity of the characters. I, I understand that. I just don't know, like, why Nightwing, for instance. I don't know. Uh, you've also got DC Heroes Classic. Oh, those shot glasses are six bucks a piece. Um, the DC Heroes Classic buttons, um, they're just classic old school DC buttons. The only reason I mention it is because one of them is that uh, you've probably seen it? It's like a uh, the the Silver Age Green Lantern. Um, it says super. It's a red button says Superhero Club on it. It's I've seen it a billion places. Um, I'm sure you have too. It's it, but it's in there. It's part of the set. The only problem is you got to buy a pack of these. You can't just buy a button. Uh, I mean, you can buy a button at the store, I'm sure. But if you want to order it out of previews, you have to buy the whole pack. Alrighty. Now, moving on to stuff that is not DC, not Lantern-related. Madam Frankenstein number one. Um, now, I know I gave Mark, I gave you a list of stuff that I'll be talking about. Did, did you happen to look up the art for Madam Frankenstein at all? 
I didn't get a chance to. Okay. Um, it's a cool, it's a cool concept. May 7th, uh, three bucks. The art looks awesome. In 1932, Vincent Crawl sets out to create his perfect woman by reanimating the corpse of the love of his life. He'll soon discover, however, that man was never meant to peer beyond the veil between life and death. Mixing vintage horror with mythic drama, this new series by uh, so-and-so, uh, James Jamie S. Rich and uh, Megan Levins is guaranteed to send chills through even the warmest of hearts. Um, it, it just looks interesting. It's, it was intriguing. It's, it's set in the 30s. It's a goofy kind of crazy little horror, horror concept, but it seems like there's a bit of humor mixed in there. It, it, it just seems like a cool mix, so I thought I'd check it out. Um, and, you know, it's Image, and Image usually puts out quality stuff. But uh, my, my indie pick uh, will go to, of all places, Dynamite. I hardly ever pick anything from Dynamite. As a matter of fact, when I, f- I get previews for free. When I flip through previews, I just I just page through the entire Dynamite section without reading a thing. Because, and I know this is stupid to some of you, I don't like the way Dynamite's layout is in previews. It bothers me. It's too much. It's... It, it's not a great you. I mean, they they throw out so much information, and the layout's weird. I don't know. But that being said, I did see something that caught my eye. Mark Wade is writing a book for them, and it's called Doctor Specter, Master of the Occult Number One. Um, uh, four bucks. TV legend, Wall Street Wolf, Internet Mongol, Mogul, uh, Mongol. <laughs> <laughs> Internet mogul, tabloid bad boy, master metaphysicist, spiritualist, monster hunter, Dr. Adam Spector is all of these things and less. For 15 years, Spector has traveled the globe to smoke out and defeat werewolves, vampires, ghosts, and everything else that goes bump in the night. Yet his success has brought him no peace. Some part of him is missing, something he can't he needs but can't name. But he's about to find what he's missing and unlikely in an unlikely place, unlock another piece of the gold key universe, courtesy of Mark Wade. Um, I don't know what this is. Uh, the, pre- the three pe- preview pages look pretty cool looking as far as art is concerned. It's a cult and magic and I don't know. It's, it's Mark Wade's got a, got a, ha- a hand in it. I, I don't know. Um, it's it'll be the first dynamite thing I've ever picked up. Are you are you reading anything dynamite or have you ever read anything dynamite? Maybe Green Hornet or whatever the heck is Green Hornet dynamite? I'm not sure if they're dynamite. I don't think I've I don't believe that I have read. I mean I can't say that I've never have. I don't. But if it if I have, it hasn't been anything recently. I can tell you that. Mm. I mean even even Dark Horse. I mean I haven't read that much lately. I mean actually that's that's not entirely true. I did I did start reading thus. The Star Wars, the version of the original George Lucas mm. script. I did start reading a first issue, first few issues of that before I kind of let that one go too. But no, I don't. I don't think that I, I don't think that I have read anything certainly on a regular basis ever from them. I've heard good stuff about it. It's just uh, I know it's a stupid reason to not read it because of the layout and previews, but uh, it just causes me to skip over it. I have no interest in it. 
Uh, another pick, Godzilla, the hardcover. Why would I not pick this? May 7th, <laughs> 20 bucks. Um, delve into an incredible mystery, generations in the making. At the dawn of the atomic age, humanity awakens life forms beyond imagination, unleashing monumental forces of nature. This explosive, larger-than-life adventure is the perfect way for fans to experience the new Godzilla before seeing it in theaters. Um, only problem is I've never had any experience with any of these creators listed here. Written by Max uh, Bornenstein and Greg Bornenstein. Art by Eric Battle, Yvel Guichet, Alan Kwa, and Lee Lowridge. Cover art by Arthur Adams. I've never had any experience with any of these people, but it's Godzilla, and it's in comic form, and it's not that series that... Who was putting out? IDW? Yeah, IDW. That that well, one of I know there's good 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 Godzilla comics out right now from IDW, but the first one that came out wasn't that great. Um, and it's from Legendary Comics, which is a subset. They're kind of working with DC. It was solicited alongside of the DC stuff, so yeah, why not? Um, another another uh, honorable mention here: Translucid number one of six. Why am I mentioning this? Because it's by Claudio Sanchez and Chandra Eckert, the guys behind Key of Z. Uh, it's been billed as kind of like an invincible type of storyline. Um, but there's that. And uh, before we get to my pick of the week, which James is gone, so that won't be echoey anymore. <laughs> oh, well. You can say it echoey. I don't know, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, ridiculous duo. Hey, hey, Mister, come hell or high water pants, soft cover. Okay, mature theme. So there's that. It's in black and white, fifteen bucks. But from Top Shelf Productions, <laughs> the the synopsis. Um, meet Satan. After eons of ruling the underworld, he's sad as hell and can't take it anymore. So why not skip town and check out the air up there? He can shack up with old pals, Mr., Young Tim, and Aunt Mary, but we all know slacker roommates can lead to friction in the long term. Meanwhile, Jesus Christ is wrestling with his own midlife crisis, not to mention the world's biggest daddy issues. With Satan's time on earth running out and hell breaking loose in his, uh, in his absence, it's time for a road trip down below. Can our heroes save a sinner's soul without pissing off the powers that be? So, Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, a depressed Satan on vacation with Jesus going through a midlife crisis. Alrighty. <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will put 15 bucks behind that bad boy. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's hilarious. I have no idea. Um, and this other one. I am now a Doctor Who fan. Okay. Am I a mega fan, or am I going to dress up at cons? No. But I'm a fan. I enjoy it. This seems like a cool thing to have in my apartment, and I might even get it. But I'm not getting it for this price. I'm not even getting it for half this price. I'm not even going to get it 
for one-fourth this price. Do what am I talking about? Okay. Doctor Who 3D TARDIS life-size stand-up. Now, this is a this is a life-size 3D stand-up TARDIS. This 3D cardboard cutout of the TARDIS from Doctor Who stands at 55-inch uh, square by 180-inch tall. This is a unique cardboard stand-up of the TARDIS that is three-dimensional, scheduled to ship in May of 2014. Cardboard TARDIS. Emphasis on cardboard, if that wasn't clear. $250. $250 for cardboard. Yeah, that's a pricey standy. Are you shitting me? I could collect cardboard, paint it, and put it together for next to nothing and look somewhat close to this if I put time into it. For nearly nothing. Cost of paint and maybe time and gas to collect enough cardboard. Two hundred and fifty dollars. That is more than a power battery. Yeah, actually, at this stage of the game, it's almost like two power batteries. Almost like almost two power batteries. The creme de la creme of Green Lantern collectors and one of the more expensive items for a Green Lantern collector to buy. You can get two of them for the price you would pay for something made of cardboard. Jesus. I, I don't know if I can put emphasis on that word enough. <laughs> It's cardboard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it just I, I saw it and I was like, definitely, absolutely ridiculous. I had to look for the Satan thing. But the cardboard, I was just like, yep, that that's 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 one of them. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I don't know anybody who would pay that much for that when they knew it was cardboard. Maybe maybe if it was like a, a wooden model set and the interior of it was like the interior of the TARDIS and the top of it lit up or something like the TARDIS does and maybe there's sound effects. Maybe then you'd pay 250 bucks. But it's just a cardboard stand-up. Yeah. Anyway, my pick of the week, no surprise given what we talked about towards the beginning of the show, Nexus Omnibus Volume 5 trade paperback. Uh, June 4th, 25 bucks like I said, 440 pages, it's six inches by nine inches, trade paperback, uh, features early work from Adam Hughes, Peter David, and Phil Hester, multiple Eisner award-winning series from Mike Barron and Steve Rude. Um, let's see, this particular uh, issue, uh, um, volume collects Nexus uh, 53 through 65 of Nexus Volume 2. And issues two through four of the next Nexus, which was another Nexus series. Um, so when Horatio Hell Pop resigns as Nexus, the mantle of cosmic executioner falls to the vengeful and dangerous Loomis sisters. It's not long before the amazing power that accompanies the office begins to corrupt Stacy and Mashana Loomis, and the high and the nigh omnipotent Merc 
must supply, supplant them with a new nobler host. Um, Merc is cool. Merc's like this uh, ancient alien that lives, I don't know, in the core, close to the core of the planet that Nexus is on. Basically, kind of the origin for Nexus's power. Nexus, Nexus is like, uh, he. it says executioner. He's an executioner, basically. He gets dreams sent to him kind of basically from Merc. And these dreams cause mind-numbing headaches, kind of. And what these dreams are of are of uh, uh, killers in the universe. We're talking killers, rapists, you know, bad, bad people in the universe. And it's Nexus's job to make the dreams and the pain stop to go and kill the person he dreams about. And the the, the person is legitimately guilty of these crimes. And so there's no there's no question of doubt in there. At, for at all for their guilt but nexus goes and kills these people but he's got these crazy cosmic powers and there's political stuff going on because he had some aliens with him in the start of the series and now they form this government and other people are coming onto his planet and they're terraforming and stuff and they want him to be in charge and there's there's more to it than just an executioner going and killing people you know, who does he kill? You know, it's not just that. He's got his own relationship stuff. He's got uh, kids, uh, two kids. He's got uh, – there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in this series. But like, like I said at the beginning of, the ser- of this episode, if you're even slightly interested in Nexus and you're not picking these up, you are insane. Because this is the best deal in comics. I don't care what anybody says. This – this many pages of original awesome Nexus for twenty five bucks is the best deal in comics. So face. <laughs> now, did you see anything in previews? Anything on the list? Anything I mentioned? Anything that's coming up that you're excited about? Anything like that? Um, let's see. We already mentioned the Darth Maul series from Dark Horse, the Son of Death, the Mirror. Which will finish off Darth Maul's story arc that began in the Clone Wars animated show. Um, I the only thing that one product that which is which is not Green Lantern related. I know that's shocking. That actually interested me, and I did order it, and was the Doctor Who Risk set, the Dalek Invasion of Earth Collector's Edition. Oh, that's cool. I've I thought that would be interesting. See, I thought that would be interesting too because I don't think Liz has ever played Risk either. But I, so I thought that might, since she's so into Doctor Who these days, I thought that might be a good way to get get her into into playing into playing Risk. It looks pretty cool. The setup is pretty cool with the uh, being in the 22nd century and the Daleks invade Earth, and you get to command the Dalek forces. And there's also special rules encompassing all 11 Doctors involved and special mission cards, which isn't surprising because I think even I'm not sure if the special mission cards are, are make Risk play really any differently, or they just. It, it'll be interesting. I, I have not. I have not bought a, any special editions of Risk. I have tons of different monopolies. I did buy, again, more for Liz than for me. Even though we don't, I needed a new version of Clue anyway. I bought the Big Bang Theory Clue game, hmm. which is pretty cool. And they do have special cards, which for multiple player games more than. Anything more than two players, they have special Sheldon cards that you could use, which 
but you do affect the game. Otherwise, if it's only two people, you ha- pretty much have to play by the, your standard clue rules. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of suspecting those mis- special mission cards might be unique to risk that way. But I thought it'd be a cool collector collector's item to have. I do have a bunch of risk versions, but I don't have I don't have any customized versions based on on products or based on properties, I should say. So I figured that was that was that kind of caught my eye. So I, I did I did order that when I when I ordered the uh, the Hero Click set. So that is something that that's probably the only product that really caught my eye. It is kind of interesting, maybe based on absence, um, something that isn't there. That so far we've only had what one power battery um, solicited this year, which was in I th- excuse me I think in the January issue of previews. But isn't supposed to ship, I think, until July. So based on that, we're only gonna we're only gonna have one pow- one power battery, seemingly at best, out in the first seven months of the year. So the question kind of becomes if they're slowing down the the releases of the batteries as they get closer to the end, since there's only, I believe, what there's only gonna be three left. I think they haven't done. Uh, so Indigo, Star Sapphire. No, they did Star Sapphire. Okay. Indigo, Indigo. Indigo Black and the new version of the Red Lantern battery. Okay. Because they've already done they've done green, sapphire, Sinestro Core, orange and blue. And white. So I think and and white was yes, white is solicited but but hasn't but hasn't shipped yet. So there's only three more that, that they have to do. So so kind of becomes an interesting question again whether what battery they release first. Um, they actually they have surprised me and I give them credit. I really thought they were going to bombard us really early on with most of the batteries that we already have and try to, you know, kind of force people's hands at all. Oh, if you want to have the complete set of this series, you can you have to, you know, rebuy all the ones you just bought before. So it kind of has surprised me pleasantly that they haven't done that because, the, the, you know, the we've gotten the green and the yellow, the green and the yellow, you know, kind of off the, right off the bat. But then they followed it up with the, you know, the orange the orange and the blue and the sapphire and the white. So the question becomes which one they release next. Um, and also, be- and of course the big question always becomes, what are they going to do with Indigo? Are they just going to make an Indigo battery? Like every, all the other batteries, which will technically be incorrect, but would look better on a shelf if you're displaying them all. <laughs> or are they going to be, are they going to have the, the balls basically to make it a staff, which technically is correct, since they are supposed to be replicas of individual power batteries, not. So that that's where you get in the catch-22. If you had said they were just replicas of a central power battery, even though I guess technically we've never seen a white central power battery, we, we just saw the small individual battery that the entity kind of became in brightest day. So it's interesting. It'll be I I think for sure we'll get at least one more battery solicited this year. It's kind of based on their pacing. It would indicate that they probably won't do more than that, but you never know because they they did kind of have a lot. They was they had a bunch solicited towards the end of last year too because the blue and the orange both came out in the last I believe the last two two months of the mm-hmm. year. So, so I just kind of noticed that because every time we get every time the on Newsarama when the when like the Green Lantern know the solicits or the DC solicits become fully available and I check it out like. I tend to scroll down to the bottom of the page pretty quickly to go look at the products to see if if they finally released or solicited the new, the new batteries. Since the only one I don't have right now is is of the new series is a Sapphire one, and I'm still 
I don't really regret it. As I was talking to Jim over the weekend, it was a really good deal on eBay, and I really thought I, I really thought I was going to get it really cheap, which is the only reason I bid on it to begin with. But once I started approaching even um, the DCBS price, you know what it would have been if I had pre-ordered it. Once it started getting close to that with the shipping, I just I could have rebid. I had time, but I just let it go. I it would be nice to have it just to complete the set, but I don't still I still don't regret not ordering it because the sapphires as a core don't do much for me. Mm-hmm. But there's always a chance, you know. There's always a chance it'll, I'll be able to get it for a decent price and complete the set. I do plan on completing the set of everything. Of the ones they have yet to solicit, I I do plan on getting all of them. So, I'll get the Indigo regardless of what it looks like, just just because there is no other Indigo battery at this point. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't get it unless it was a staff, personally. But I I, I definitely understand the complete the set mentality. Which is always, which is what I always pondered about the Indigo one. And it's also a question of when they release the Indigo one. Do they, do they do it? Do they do it dead last and force people that even if it isn't technically accurate, that if they want to complete the set to get it then, or do you kind of make a strategic move and release it like second to last if it's incorrect? And then you, because then people have to make a decision. It's like, well, if I don't get it now, I may never be able to get it. You know, if I change my mind afterwards, it might, it might be hard to find a more expensive maybe I'm, I'm better off getting it right off the bat I wouldn't be surprised that black is like the last one they released yeah uh, but that was about it from previews for me that we had you you kind of touched upon a lot of the other items that I, I looked at yeah. too product wise let's see what else uh, I guess that's it uh, did you have anything uh, yeah you had an email right yes 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 Re- reader Reader feedback from Scott and reader. I'll have to. I'll have to reader. Me. Oh, listener. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, my my mind's already focused on on our on our issue reviews that are coming up again. <laughs> so it's like reader reading this, reader that. <laughs> yes, listen. Well, if they if they pay attention to our to our websites and blogs, it could be reader feedback too. <laughs> but. This is from Scott, and there'll be one part we'll have to, I'll have to modify it because he sent a second email because there was something a question that he had that kind of resolved itself, so there won't be a need to, to delve into it. But Scott wrote to us, that, Hi, guys. On my trip to Toronto, I was able to power through your episodes that covered issues 21 through 23 for all four series. Great job. I really enjoyed them all. In fact, I'm actually writing this email 38,000 feet over Saskatchewan on my way back to Vancouver. I'm really glad the Lantern cast hit the refresh button and you guys have great chemistry together. Thanks, God. <laughs> I just had a few miscellaneous comments that I thought I'd pass you away. I'm not too interested to see Hal on Earth visiting his family, etc. I don't think I'll ever get tired of the cosmic adventures. Keep them coming, if you ask me. I've never, been an, I've never really been a fan of the Buy, Borrow, Pass, so I won't miss it if you guys don't use it on the show. The listener feedback section at the end of each episode is really cool. It's a great way to get people to be more interactive. Great idea. I use iTunes to listen to the show, so it's nice to see it show up in my feed when you post new episodes. Uh, speaking of, uh, let's see. I bu- Okay. He mentions Twitter in the part that is no longer applicable, but he goes, speaking of, I love Twitter, so it's great to see the Lantern cast interacting with fans on there. Good job, Chad. Yeah. I never thought I'd say it, but I'm really enjoying Red Lanterns right now, and I would rank it the best of the four series so far. Charles Sewell is really saving the series, and the comedy is great. I want to try them. 
uh, Michelada maybe this weekend. How about you guys? You'll have to tell me how it uh, tastes. Yeah. Have to go back and check the the ingredient makeup again or Google it again. Uh, I can't wait for you to review the Larflee series. How ironic. Ooh. Because it should be entertaining to hear your thoughts on such a strange series. You are reviewing the Larfley series, right? No pressure. Whether you whether Mark wants it or not. <laughs> I like I said, I'm more I'm much more eager to review the Larfley series than going back and having to review the other part of the of uh, threshold. As far as asking what the listeners want to hear on the Lantern cast, I personally like to hear your thoughts on Emerald Twilight. Also, it'd be cool if you got if you guys could do a drunk episode to honor the anniversary of Jim's classic episode. Are we going to see some Lantern Cast t-shirts available soon? Sign me up if you make them. And finally, I would also like to hear an interview with Jeff Johns. Like, wouldn't we all? I can dream, can I? Uh, thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. And that was from Scott. So that was a very cool email. Thank you very much, Scott. And <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> Uh, drunk episode. We could combine the drunk episode with Jeff Johns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would professionalism <laughs> right out the window. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> Jesus. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's here's the deal. It seems like we get a little personal history of Chad's personal life uh, <laughs> nearly every episode. But you, you asked the question. I probably won't do a drunk episode. And that, and it's, it's not for religious reasons. It's not for anything other than, look, whenever people, you know, get on me about, you know, how I eat or whatever, my, my standard response is I don't do drugs. Uh, I've been drunk maybe two, three times in my life. I'm talking drunk. Um, you know, I, I've had drinks and, you know, had, you know, been a little buzzed or anything. Uh, but it's not like, you know, total drunkenness maybe twice in my life. I don't sleep around with every girl I, I meet, you know, that type of thing. So I, I tell them if I'm, if I'm going to die, because I like Mexican food, then I'm doing better than most people out there. You know what I mean? Who have vices. Um, so, yeah, getting drunk for the sake of, you know, just, you know, being funny or something like that, that kind of falls under the the banner of that's not my style. I, I, do I agree with you that it would be funny? Absolutely. Do I... Do, do, do I... Uh, do I, you know, condemn uh, Jim for for doing the drunk episode? Absolutely not. Uh, I don't condemn people who who want to get drunk, you know, and and just have some fun. That doesn't bother me. But it's not me, so I probably won't be doing a drunk episode. Um, I don't know about you, Mark, but I I probably won't. Um, I, I will absolutely maybe, maybe I will could... participate in one. Uh, but I won't. Well, by, by laughing at somebody yeah, else. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we could do a buzzed episode and just that's the closest we can nah. do. You know, if if I get drunk by accident trying to do a buzzed episode, that's one thing. <laughs> but if I get drunk on purpose, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready. Or, or what we could do is. <laughs> 
we could do we could start like at maybe early not like like not like five o'clock early but maybe like eight o'clock or like your time early and like record like two or three episodes back to back and keep drinking through each episode so by the time we get to the last one it's like people will know what the hell's going on we won't know what the hell's going on i know i was gonna if it was a tv show we need subtitles (laughs) we need closed captioning jeez uh yeah so yeah drunk episode probably won't happen at least with me uh being drunk that is um but like i said i'm I'm open to the idea we we'll we'll, if we can do it somehow sure why not um what else was there there was some other stuff he asked uh emerald emerald something yes emerald Emerald twilight Twilight. okay there's never been an emerald twilight episode was there I, th- I think the deal was that there was, but it's one of the old Lost episodes. That's the problem. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, it's on the list of things to do. It's just a matter of when we get to it. Because we're right now we're behind, right? So, again, my bad. It happens. But hopefully maybe in the next few weeks we'll be able to be not really behind anymore. Right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. I, I definitely, I, I definitely, I definitely want to do it. It's a huge part of Green Lantern history. And like I said, though, I think, I think the issue was we thought we recorded it. We thought it was already out, or at least the guys did, because I don't know if I was part of the show when that happened. But. Because we thought it happened, it, it never stayed at the forefront of our minds of something we needed to do. So, yeah, there's that. Um, what else? What else are you say? We talked about Red Lanterns. It's getting better. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, the whole... Uh, the whole Supergirl thing, you know, doesn't hinder it in any way. Uh, I'm interested to see what's going on with with Sector 2814 now that the Reds are in charge, in charge of everything. So there's that. Um, yeah. What about, what about you? Some of the stuff you said. I definitely would like to do Emerald Twilight. Um, we definitely can probably go back and look at the feeds and just see if because we're Lord, because Lord, no, Lord knows that even if we do, even if it wasn't a lost episode, at least as far as the website goes, we're never gonna have. To, that'll be on the list of episodes to resurrect, just to you know, to post back up there. Uh, but um, Emerald, yeah, Emerald Twilight, I definitely would like to do. Uh, any stuff in Volume Three in general. There's a lot. There's a bunch of storylines we could do. As I still want to do. The uh, I mean, Parallax View would be a good one to do, mm-hmm. but I would still like to do. I want to do the Silver Surfer Green Lantern crossover on Holy Alliances. Yeah. That's a biggie. That's a biggie for me and on the wish list. Uh, Red Lanterns, I'm enjoying a lot. I think as you know, we've we've discussed in the in the issue reviews that it's certainly moving up there. I I think it still wasn't in your top two. I don't think, but it was in my top two. Um. It's better. It's one of the books I'm. It's one of the lantern books I'm actually looking forward to reading, on a on a 
monthly basis at this point, and that's kind of, and that's certainly different than what it used to be. Hal on Earth, no pun intended. Uh, we obviously, based on the last issue that just came out, it's pretty clear that uh, he's going to get his wish because Hal won't be do- doing anything on Earth anytime soon. Of of consequence because he is pretty much banished, has no claim to Earth since uh, since giving the sector to to Guy and the Reds. Only Simon, only Mister Baz will be the only Green Lantern on Earth, and that's all he'll be able to do is stay on Earth. So, and for the most part, depending, I mean, I like to see how I would like to see Hal on Earth a little bit. I still think he it, it's better for him to be in space. And certainly there's enough Green Lanterns to have somebody on Earth where the people are going to be happy that Baz is the only Green Lantern really on Earth is uh, is another story. You know, it's, that's open to debate. Um, other stuff that, that he talked about, I mean, it's, it's really it's cool that, he, that he, he's liking our reviews. I'm glad he thinks that, and I think so too, that our chemistry is pretty good considering that we hadn't really recorded together, so, I mean, just us alone until... Uh, like a couple of months ago, so I think, I think, I think we're working pretty well together. Even, even this episode, considering we've been on cold storage for like a like a month. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I think that's 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 pretty good. I, and I think we've I don't know about the t-shirt thing. That's something we'll have to we would have to discuss off the air certainly. Yeah. And if it involves money. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Unless, well, we still might, depending on plan, I mean, anything's possible, certainly even as, like, giveaways or prizes and things like that, that's certainly a possibility, depending on, yes, like you said, the cost. And we mentioned the drunk, and we talked about the drunk episode, and I guess Jeff Johns is kind of like the holy grail, whether we ever, whether it's ever going to happen, who knows, it would be nice at some point to get him. Um, We know that probably we'll have to, again, just kind of, like, talking off the top of my head and, you know, because Chad and I haven't obviously finalized the schedule for anything yet. As we're getting closer to a year now since the new creative teams took over, that we probably it probably would be a good time for us to, around that time, to do the Jeff Johns retrospective and look back at uh, the rise and fall of Jeff Johns probably. As far and it, and the more and on the all serious aspect of what he's brought to Green Lantern that even if you didn't like everything he did or where he ended up some that the mark that he left can't really be the part that really can't be denied the impact that he had as far as on popularity and the the mythos overall that hopefully we'll be talking about that one soon too but yeah so I think that pretty much covers most of most of Scott's main points certainly but it was good email very good email all right. Um, I guess that'll do it for this episode. You wanna you wanna lead us out? I'll shake off the ring rust, but I'll do what I can. <laughs> you can visit our website lanterncast.com, which is back up and running since the last time we <laughs> recorded. Through there, you can access our forums. You can check out our galleries and other things, including products of the week and blogs and all the latest news from us. You can follow us on Twitter. Hashtag GLCast. You can like us on Facebook. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on iTunes, please leave a positive reviews. Review. 
Reviews if you like, but I think only one counts. Uh, last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN and let us know what you think. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so we'll see you guys next time. We'll be catching up again with some titles. Uh, Green Lantern 25 through 27, I think. Yes. So that's what we'll, that's what you should expect from us next. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy, everybody. friend i think i have a green lantern book in here somewhere oh green lantern and brightest day and blackest night yeah no evil shall escape my sight <laughs> oh, i love the lantern